Hello, everybody. How you doing? Welcome back to the PC Podcast. I'm your host, Paris Crosby, hence PC. Uh, No, it doesn't stand for politically correct, but as I've said before, the name is slightly tongue-in-cheek. But yeah, welcome back. I hope you all are doing well. I hope you're enjoying this new nice weather that we're having. Um, Yeah, so today's guest is a good friend of mine named Zach. He is one of the only other people I grew up with who had a similar upbringing as I did in that we are both half Japanese and we have experienced living in both societies of Japan and America growing up. Um, You know, I initially invited him on this podcast to have a timely discussion around the kind of troubles of Asian hate that were going around in, um, you know, in places like Georgia, well, everywhere, really. New York is pretty big as well. But, you know, we, we get into this discussion about identity as an Asian American and, you know, well, you'll hear the podcast and you'll, you'll see what we get into. At the end of the day, you know, being Asian is, a, is an identity that's sometimes cast aside in today's society. Um, it's weird because, like, we kind of get lumped in with, like, white people, essentially, and being half white myself, it's like, it's really hard to straggle this border between like your identity as a Asian person, but like your treatment in society as not really the same as other people of color. But then you have these instances that we've been seeing recently revolving Asian hate that kind of reveals that, you know, racism does exist against Asians for many reasons. And, you know, those were more or less incited by, you know, we can cite Trump's claims of the China virus and all those other kind of divisive arguments he had um, in regards to relations with Asian Americans. But we, I thought we had a very good discussion about this. Um, I hope that this kind of, you know, helps people navigate the narrative around racism and such in a small way, at least, because I, you know, like the Asians don't really speak about their race that much in public. Well, not historically. Now it's definitely gotten more public, but here we are. And we just kind of wanted to throw some insight on what our perspective was on this whole situation. And we talk about other things too growing up and um, Zach's experience as a drill instructor and all this other good stuff. So. Overall, a very, very good discussion. Zach is uh, very insightful. He has unique experiences that I believe are good to share with everybody because at the end of the day, you know, I myself personally and Zach agreed with this too, is that we don't want to be identified by our race. Though we very much pride ourselves on being Japanese, we find it unique and beneficial to our lives. Um, we, We don't necessarily want to be categorized and treated differently as if our condition as Asian Americans are somehow a detriment to our lives because it's not it's um it's a great blessing to be in our position especially because both of us are like able to read write and speak Japanese so our, our cultural understanding is is far greater than you know most people who are a part of a mono ethnic culture is 
I think I think I articulated that well. Uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoy this discussion. I hope it's timely. I hope it reveals some, you know, you might get some good tidbits of information out of this. Overall, Zach's a, Zach's a homie, and I really enjoyed this conversation. So without further ado, here is Zach. So cheers yeah, for sure, man. To our minuscule amount of bourbon here. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. What was this again? That's Buffalo Trace. Okay. Yeah. 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 Eagle Rare is somewhat similar. It's just a little bit smoother. Really? Mm-hmm. That town branch up there, it just wasn't it at all. It was like. Really? It was like. I don't know what it is. It tastes like a gym bag at the end. It's like that, like palate smell. It just felt yeah. smelled like I was like smelling socks or something. It was bad. And then the other night I had Elijah Craig. Oh, dude, Elijah Craig's good. I love Elijah. Mm. Okay, so here's something about Elijah Craig that happened to me. Last time I went to Japan, it's like pretty much two years ago. Like I think this week, mm-hmm. um, I brought a bottle of Elijah Craig over, just because I was like, who knows? Somebody likes bourbon, right? Yeah. So bring it, pop it open, drink it with some people. It's all cool go to a grocery store and i go to liquor part just to look around like yeah. they have a bunch of bourbon i was like oh shit nice and i look and they have the same exact bottle of uh whatever i just said uh, elijah craig for like half the price of uh, of where i got it in kentucky yeah and i was like how does that even <laughs> like, well, does... you know that a lot of the brewery or uh, distilleries are owned by Japanese yeah it's companies. like suntory suntory right yeah. right i like, had no idea that they, they own like... makers do they really? Yeah. That's amazing. Like in Hiroshima, went drinking with a uh, family friend and they had like a bar, a Suntory bar. Mm-hmm. And they had like makers memorabilia everywhere. Oh shit, no and way. He's never had makers and I let him try it and yeah. man, he got fucked. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Japanese people love bourbon, man. Yeah. They really fuck with it. And I, I was already like three beers in because we went to a restaurant before mm-hmm. uh drink there. So I was already three beers in. I'm like... I'd rather not mix yeah, bourbon yeah. and beer. We're already down so, the beer route here. Yeah, so it was... You Japanese people don't care, though. They'll just go straight for anything. It's oh, yeah. one next, beer, straight up. highball, yeah. chuhai, whatever it is, next thing after another. Mm-hmm. Man, when was the last time you were in Japan? When we were there. Really? Wait, when we no. saw each other? No, actually, I went after that, uh, like a year after. Because when we saw after. each other there, that was like 2016? Yeah, I um, went in 2017 okay i think and i was there for three months and i Whoa. worked at a i worked at an after school program yeah at uh my little cousin's uh school that's awesome dude the whole three months there mm-hmm. that's a lot it's a long time to be in japan oh yeah but is yeah i was home yeah yeah so. for real that's for real like the only place i feel like is home to oh me. yeah there's yeah. not really much else i can like point to and be like mm-hmm. oh i'm back home it's like no when i go to my grandma's house it's like that's that's home right there i feel 100 percent comfortable yeah so. yeah do you think you could live in japan oh yeah you could oh no doubt i've thought about that it's like i don't know i because growing up because you had a similar experience when we went to school mm-hmm. you know being the foreign kid there the expectations for you were obviously non-existent pretty much it was just like yeah do the school work participate yada yada but nothing really counts 
you know i always got like a special treatment yeah i literally got a special treatment because i was in eso oh really (laughs) oh true true that's right i failed first grade because i didn't know english yeah that's right so so what what was your like timeline like because mine i only i only visited japan every summer and mm -hmm. then like went to school and stuff but like i had instances where i forgot english had to re-remember it yeah are we recording though? yeah yeah oh, okay uh, cool yeah <laughs> but yeah it, i was always i don't know i i always teetered between the two mm-hmm. pretty balancedly yeah uh that was kind of similar case with me like every, i wouldn't say it was every summer maybe every other summer we'd go back to japan and uh yeah my mom would send me to school mm-hmm. so <laughs> seiko on the other hand uh, I think she was in like the preschool, mm-hmm. but from what she told me, I think she only did it for like a week or two. Oh, really? And it hated it. And just didn't, didn't really. Do it, huh? I mean, like, I I get it. I think I was the same way a couple times, but yeah, she uh, well, my mom raised me to be Japanese, mm-hmm. and then with Seika, she was kind of raised to be American. Really? So did your mom speak to you in Japanese mm-hmm. like growing up? Oh yeah, I still do. Yeah, like I. We really? still text in Japanese. Um, oh, really? So, um, but Seika, she can understand it, mm-hmm. some of it, but uh, she struggles every now and then, but she did try to learn Japanese in uh, college. Hmm. So, I mean, she, she did pretty well. Yeah, uh, I imagine. I think because she hasn't taken it in a long time, I think some Rusty. of it may have. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I she can understand for the most part. I tested out of the language just because I went and took the Japanese test. I was like, Did you? I got this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then everyone went, because like, because I didn't know until my senior year that I had to take a language. I was like, I know Japanese. Can I just please test out of that? It's like, yeah, taste, if you can pass the test is what yeah. I was told. I was like, I can pass the fucking test. All right. I was like, the, 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 <laughs> the multiple choice part was so easy. But the writing, mm-hmm. I was like, fuck, I can't write for anything in japanese but i i pulled it out of my ass i had some kanji that i could use yeah. some like up to like third grade kanji pretty <laughs> much yes but i mean thank god though thank god that we were raised japanese oh yeah because like no i don't know about you but my mom never talked to me about like race that much at all mm-hmm. she was always just like you're japanese you're better than everybody <laughs> and i think that's a common like uh thought that a lot of japanese people have we yeah. we tend to have a, this weird su- superiority complex or complex. Yeah, I mean that that ideology stems from centuries centuries um, of history. I mean, all the way back to the feudal ages. I mean, yeah. So, I was a history major in college, right? And one of my big focuses were like Japanese history, the Pacific War, and mm-hmm. World War II, and that's where I, really what I focused on. And then taking those history classes, I mean, you start to realize where a lot of that stems from, that superiority complex. Yeah, yeah. And once you get to World War II, that's that's the height yeah. of the superiority complex. Right. But now it's... Oh. What do you think it was? Do you think it's like ego, or do you think it's like... No, um when the americans opened up japan in the 1850s uh japan was exposed to imperialism through mm-hmm. french the english americans i mean america had a you know 
few decades long history of imperialism yeah yeah not you know not just physically going to a country mm-hmm. and you know making it american but just you know cultural imperialism and stuff like that yeah. which we're still seeing effects of that today right but um japan was exposed to that and japan's military modernized at a rapid pace mm-hmm. uh so after the boshin wars in japan where pretty much the samurais disappeared mm-hmm. uh the emperor officially takes power in Japan, which, believe it or not, during the feudal ages, a common Japanese person, like a farmer or whatever, mm-hmm. they didn't even know we had an emperor. Oh, really? Yeah, because the shogun was the top. Yeah. He was at the top in each daimyo, but that was it. Like, they yeah. they didn't say, hey, there's an emperor as well. <laughs> right, right. Um, so it was common to see, you know, Jap- like, farmers you know that lower class not know that they even had an emperor wow uh but when, after the meiji restoration and japan imperializes modernizes all that japan starts to look outwards mm-hmm. because you know japan's an island they only have so much land right? yeah yeah so they start looking towards korea manchuria mm-hmm. you know if if you don't know what manchuria is and when, when you look at china on the map mm-hmm. it looks like a rooster Mm-hmm. The head is Manchuria, so north, uh, northwestern China, no, no sorry, northeast China, yeah, <laughs> northeast China, and that's that's Manchuria, mm-hmm. um, and then this is where it really, really like kicks off when Japan defeated Russia in nineteen oh five. Yeah, Japan was the first non-Western country to defeat a Western power. Oh, really? In history? Shit. And that, yeah, like, it like broke, blows everything up. Yeah. So Japan starts to annex Korea. You know, they're wanting to move into Manchuria, but they can't exactly do that because mm-hmm. Trans Siberian Railroad is built through Manchuria. Mm-hmm. And by that point, it's still Imperial Russia, but, or no trying to remember the dates anyways uh they're half the russian army is already there mm-hmm. guarding the trans-siberian ra- uh, railroad so even though japan beats russia they're still scared of them yeah yeah and then in world war one japan helps the allies takes german islands in the pacific mm-hmm. and you know they're on this high like man we're we're kicking ass right, right now <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like let's like, ride this momentum and the allies are cool with it they're like hey yeah. you know fight the germans in the pacific and we're gonna fight you know the germans in europe Mm -hmm. and so all that happens and uh treaty of versailles japan technically gets a seat at the treaty Hmm. but they don't get shit yeah they're just there right and japan's pissed off because they're like wait a minute we fought the germans too (laughs) like what do we get yeah so all that stuff and you know it is ironic you know eventually you know decades later japan joins germany mm-hmm. and by that point japan's you know korea's already annexed to japan and japan's moved into manchuria uh did you ever watch that movie uh i think it, i can't remember what it's called but it's about the last emperor of china no and his name was puyi hmm. and he comes from manchuria yeah so japan after the revolution in China, 
they uh, Puyi goes to Manchuria in Japan and says, hey, you pretty much become a puppet state for us. Yeah. And we'll put you back in power. Yeah. <laughs> which he wasn't going to get power anyways. Right. So all that shit happens. And, you know, from there on, World War II happens. And that's pretty much the height hmm. of that superiority complex. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, ju- that's a very simplified version of right, it. Right, right. <laughs> just, we just kind of like slowly kicked ass, modernized better than yeah. most other people. I mean, at a rapid pace. Yeah. Really, really rapid pace. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, economically, Japan right. is on top of the world. I mean, they just took everything from Western culture and just made it better, pretty much, it seems like. Even toilets. Yeah. Like, well, you, they had that economic bubble, but that bubble pops in the 90s. Hmm. Uh, so Japan, I mean, they, Japan recovered from that. And mm-hmm. Now a lot of Japan's industry are focused on vehicles, technology, yeah. stuff yeah. like that. bourbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's, yeah, <laughs> right. now they're monopolizing bourbon. Right. But yeah. I so mean, how'd your why'd your mom come to America? Oh God, it was in the nineties because my dad was stationed in Iwakuni, which is about forty minutes south of Hiroshima. Yeah. And uh, they met at a bar. Uh, from there, they got together, and then. Uh, my dad got stationed in, uh, wow, I can't think of names. <laughs> the Marine Corps uh, base in California, call it 29 Palms. Uh, but he goes there, and my mom goes with him. And she, mm-hmm. I think she had very little English yeah, experience. Right. But once she went to, I think she took some classes in hmm. California. And then they moved to Kentucky. So she just followed your dad, essentially? Essentially, yeah. yeah. I was born in North Carolina because he got stationed at Camp Lejeune. Yeah. From California. Right. So I was born in I was born there, and then from there, then they moved to Kentucky. Okay. In Harlan County. Harlan places. County. Wow. Yeah. Only for a year though. My mom just said, "Fuck this place. I'm going to America." <laughs> really? Like literally, was like, "I'm never coming back. See ya." Yeah, I don't think my mom had any intentions to move to United States. Really. My mom was full gung-ho, like, I hate this place. I do not fit in here. And yeah. was like, see ya. And she cites all, like, the societal pressures, like the 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 little kind of social mores mm-hmm. that you have to follow there. It's like someone brings you a gift when they come over. So next time yeah. you go over there, you better bring a gift or else, oh, they're going to start talking about you behind your back and shit like that. And it's like being so collectivistic, like, you know, Japan's pretty gossipy culture. Yeah. But that's, like, you know, true of anywhere. But I think particularly when you have these unspoken rules all the time it's like if you don't follow those it's a huge violation it's like if you don't wear a mask in japan right now they, yeah they will shun you till you literally cut your fucking stomach open in the street well you know that's <laughs> with japan though wearing a mask is really common courtesy right right i mean anytime i had a cold or something in japan i wore a mask yeah had a common every courtesy. time so, so that's why like now especially during a pandemic if you don't do it like yeah. in japan they'd be like what are you doing yeah, I mean, I was kind of used to the whole mask thing. Yeah, I, I'm sure you were too. Right, having seen it, like, it's like for us, it was just normal. Yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> like this is not an infringement on your rights or like, anything. Like, what are you complaining about? Yeah. You're just wearing a fucking mask. This is practicality at its finest. Exactly. Yeah. So, I I I love the fact that I have gotten to see both sides because like Japan and America societally are just completely different right they're just opposite ends of the spectrum and seeing both extremes is so valuable because you're like yeah let's take that good stuff let's keep all the you know 
weird shunning stuff and then in america it's like yeah let's keep all the confidence and individuality but not all the shitty like push people down and yeah. you know climb your way to the top that kind of mentality so you got to integrate both sides and i think it's really nice that we got to see that because yeah oh by the way i have to give a shout out to sam he told me to give him a shout out at work oh where so he wants to listen and then hi seika shout hi, out hi, sam hi, what up seika <laughs> so but yeah i mean it's it's kind of hard to say that about japan like in terms of their culture because that's kind of i mean culture in japan is really based on common courtesy politeness yeah um and like you were saying with the united states i have my quarrels with yeah some some stuff in the united states right but it's like there's like the, the both extremes are you know they've got their benefits like the way japanese society works does that like every level it's so just pristinely just run just everything's on time everything's mm-hmm. clean everything's just like they're done yeah. for you and it's just because of everyone's like hey don't litter yeah. Know, it's like carry around a little thing to put your cigarettes out in. Don't fucking throw it on the ground. Like, yeah. What's wrong with you? I mean, like, <laughs> uh, when I smoked in Tokyo, I mean, in the airport. Yeah. Like, you when you get to your gate, they have smoking areas. Yeah. It's like go in there, smoke, yeah. throw it away in there, and then go about your day. Or even like at restaurants, like mm-hmm. here's the area you smoke in. Or even just walking around town, they're like, this is where you smoke. Smoke yeah, here, stand sp- still and smoke. Don't smoke in front of people, you asshole. Yeah. And then throw it away when you're done. It seems so basic, but... Yeah. Um, but <laughs> a lot more people do smoke in Japan. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's crazy, too, because their life expectancy is way higher, but like the smoking rates are way higher. Yeah, and unfortunately, the population's going down. Yeah, their whole population pyramids are upside down yeah like they're old people at the top no young people coming in mm-hmm. they're slated to lose like 20 30 million people in the next 30 years or so because no one's having sex yeah <laughs> it's really rough dude like that whole that like the extreme product of that hyper collectivistic culture is like the needle right yeah like, like the growing population it's almost a million mm-hmm. people that are what is it not in education and employment or training i think that's what it stands mm-hmm. for and it's bizarre because it's like 50 year olds like living with their like 80 year old parents just collecting money and it's the work culture too yeah i mean that's a huge yeah it's a huge part and it's really sad because like you have like a nintendog game Mm -hmm. you remember nintendogs on like the ds well they got that but a girlfriend virtual (laughs) girlfriends for the ds and it's just like a lot of these guys have that because they're so lonely, but they're so buried in their work they can't. Yeah. And it's the same for females. Like mm-hmm. they're in the same boat because this is one of the first times in Japanese history where they can actually be an individual. Yeah. And get jobs. Right. And they're also focused on being successful. They and then, like for women especially, it's yeah. like career or family. Exactly. It's, like, it's not both. Because I mean the the female expectations in a family is still old-fashioned mm-hmm. yeah like they're expected to stay home yeah cook you know tend Take to the kids yeah tend yeah. to the needs of the husband of the kids mm-hmm. and they can't have a job like, right yeah they don't have time to it's like that. unless you're really happy doing that like yeah it's it's tough you know being a woman in japan oh yeah that is a very like people talk about the patriarchy in america it's like mm-hmm. bro have you ever traveled <laughs> like yeah. you know it's like 
patriarchy is real real in a lot of places and mm-hmm. it's like way less maneuverable you know like i don't imagine there's many young women entrepreneurs in japan or even men mm-hmm. entrepreneurs like i don't know that entrepreneurship super like promoted because everything is just so systematized and like yeah so corporate top down hierarchy just if you, you you cannot budge that that you cannot move that boulder no i mean a lot of the major companies in japan like Toyota, for example, mm-hmm. they were major families mm. in the feudal ages. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, they're still here they're today. Still, yeah, <laughs> like, one of the most known like brands yeah. in the world is Toyota. And what's crazy is, uh, you know, a lot of these companies like Japanese vehicle manufacturers, you know, they didn't always produce vehicles. Hmm. Like during World War Two, they produced weapons yeah mitsubishi used to produce engines for the uh zero oh wow uh mazda uh-huh. uh they were based they're based in hiroshima but they used to produce rifles for the japanese military during world war ii damn and uh, they were on the outskirts of hiroshima and i actually used to own a japanese rifle made in that factory what no way and when i looked at the serial number i dated it and uh, it was produced like a month or two before the bomb dropped. Wow. So. No way. And it survived it. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. the, the factory itself was fine. The only damage that it oh. had was the windows were shattered. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Because it was in the, as, if you look at Hiroshima, it's surrounded by mountains. Mm-hmm. So the factory was around the mountains. Okay. But. Um, Do your grandparents tell you any World War II stories? Well. As far as I know, none of my family members actually fought in the war. Right. But were they like, I mean, like... They survived the bomb. My, my grandma, for example, talked about how when she was going to college, she was trying to get into, like, Toldai, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and um, she was riding back and forth with her older brother who was... He was a musician in, like, the Marine Band, and he was playing, like, jazz clubs and stuff mm-hmm. as a Japanese band. But um, riding back and forth with him, and she was like... Uh, I've decided I'll attend Chiba all girls school, mm-hmm. yada yada yada. And he wrote back. He's like, "What are you doing? Going to that country bumpkin little school? You need to go to Tokyo and like, you know, go to a good school." And she's like, "But big brother, like, uh, all of Tokyo is gone. It's like yeah. gone in fire. Like, she's just like, <laughs> literally. She told me about how one day they turned her like middle school um, gymnasium into mm-hmm. like weapons manufacturing, yeah. and like all the upperclassmen would go there." in the mornings to help make weapons mm-hmm. and then she would always see them and like look up to them in a certain way and then one day she gets to school the whole place is gone yeah it's just completely eradicated from the world and she's like oh my god they're all dead yeah um <laughs> yeah tokyo is a so the bombing of tokyo is actually very systematic it wasn't like mm-hmm. you know a bunch of b-29s flying over tokyo just dropping bombs randomly mm-hmm. there was a whole system to it so you know that river that runs through Tokyo? Yeah, yeah. So what what they did is they would bomb around Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And then that river... So when you're standing on a bridge, it's windy, right? Yeah. So essentially that river turns into a big flamethrower. Oh, shit. So that's why so many people died. Yeah. Because like, naturally, if it's hot, you're going to run to water, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people ran to the bridges, ran to the water, and... And just more fire. They either they were either died from the fire or they were boiled to death oh my god boiled to death yeah because the water rough. got so hot it started to boil oh my 
Con. And uh, I mean, if if Japan or if the United States would have lost, that would be considered a war crime. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's how war works. <laughs> yeah. Whoever yeah. wins, they get to decide Decides. what's a war crime or not. Right. So Curtis LeMay knew that it, Curtis LeMay was the general in, or in charge of the Army Air Corps mm-hmm. with the bombing campaign in Japan, and he knew that if that was the case, he would be tried for yeah. war crimes. So he's so, like, we got to win this, guys. Yeah. and Drop whatever we got. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they they did not hold back. Yeah. And Germany had their own you know bombing campaign they were dealing with like dresden mm-hmm. and germany was one of the worst fire bombings in his or in the entire war damn because that was a joint operation with the united states and britain yeah so and i i can i can get into this stuff yeah like in detail <laughs> but essentially yeah i mean tokyo is that's a crazy story yeah. on its own it's crazy to think it was all burnt down like i mean what like 70 80 years ago yeah and then like look at it now you're like whoa whoa that's that was my exact thought when i was in tokyo when uh we were there yeah um like just walking through a neighborhood and just thinking like my god this place was like completely gone Gone. yeah just to the ground and now tokyo is huge. you can't even reckon i mean like there's hardly any like green anywhere oh yeah i mean there's obviously there's parks and stuff and like they try to put trees and stuff but it's Mm -hmm. like everything is just like chrome almost you're just looking yeah. at it like wow and people talk about like going to new york city and talking about how big the city is like yeah you've never been to tokyo before yeah it's wild out there i oh, mean yeah. the, you you would i don't think in a lifetime you'd ever you'd ever be able to go to like every restaurant in tokyo no like not even no. close like if you went every meal for every day of your life i don't think you'd get to all of them ever well you look at new york city i mean it's it's been there for a long time and then Tokyo, they've only rebuilt since 1945. Yeah, for and real. And you look at Tokyo, and it's like, my God. Yeah. It's insane. Subway system and everything, just yeah. perfectly done. So, it's just like... It's wild. It's really yeah, it crazy is. to think about that. It's really crazy to think about that. And, like, because... So, in today's society with... Well, not today's society, but recently with all this Asian hate stuff yeah. that's coming up. You know, I feel like there's a the whole race issue is starting to really peel itself dry because it's like there's so many because i talk about this on the podcast a lot how like being japanese like we don't get looked at like we're like other a lot of the time like not to say that it's we aren't noticed as not white Mm -hmm. even though we're half white right like i always get the comment like you look like something (laughs) like you look (laughs) like something different you're not one of us yeah and like it's never really bothered me but yeah like i said my mom never talked about race she was always just like mm-hmm. you're just better than everyone just yeah. like, you're japanese and american you're better than everyone i was like all right cool and i never had a race talk growing up and like it never really came like i knew i was asian mm-hmm. i was like i walked around i was like i'm japanese yeah yeah but it never felt like i was any i was oppressed in any way maybe bullied for it a little bit but then you just kind of toughen up throw some shit back and then that's it but you know so a lot of the times i don't think some people like us who are half especially will get that as much but like people who present as more asian are definitely going to be discriminated against in in a in a more dire way but i never thought it would be like violent you know yeah i never thought it would end up in like like what eight people dying in georgia just some guy killing asians it's like 
man, that's that's not cool. Like, I was I felt really weird because I was like, man, I talk all this shit about how like being Asian is better than being white, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, when you take a step back, it's like people still hate Asians for no reason too, and it's like, and then when you see the response to all this, I, what's been troubling me recently is like, I see people on like Twitter or wherever black people talk about it's like mm, it's like i'm not I, like there's a few pockets of the community where they're like why would we support asian people they're never there for us mm-hmm. when we need anything and i'm just like word that's totally true because yeah. when my mom talks about black people i'm like how could you say these things <laughs> like how could you stomach mm-hmm. saying these things and there's you know bit inter like between races like some tension there now right that's mm-hmm. never been seen before we've never seen asian versus black tension well i guess in in california between like koreans and black yeah. people and like the in like 80s and 90s or something but so it's weird it's like what what's the what's what what are we trying to go for are we trying mm-hmm. to go for like we're all equal are we trying to point our fingers at white people uh-huh. are we trying to say oh people of color are one and like white people are another or like I just don't know, man. It's it's really hard to juggle all these ideas and make clear sense of them because they're not really they're they're just rooted in like the pathos of the argument of like the we feel yeah. as though transgression's been done upon us. You haven't helped, so why would we help mm-hmm. you? And like not like I don't I can't understand that. And I don't think those people are plentiful. I think it's few and far between. I think everyone's more or less like, Hey, that's fucked up too. It's like yeah. shouldn't kill a bunch of Asians, shouldn't kill a bunch of black people. You shouldn't kill a bunch of white people for that matter either but i don't know race relations is really getting thicker and thicker and really harder to untie and unravel and try to make sense of it so you and i are born we're, we're fortunate to be born in the time that we were yeah because i mean anti-asian sentiment is very real and it i mean before we were born too yeah i mean when you look at the 19th century with the chinese exclusion act yeah i mean and we have to give a lot of credit to them because they built most of the railroads out in the west right um and then a lot of japanese people uh went to california and some of the western states and you know started farms successful farms Mm -hmm. and and then once you hit the night or the twentieth century, you know, anti Asian sentiment becomes worse because and you know, a lot of it just stems from racism. Just, yeah, just you know. pure but just unadulterated hate for And you're seeing like uh especially I mean, once again, World War Two, mm-hmm. you know, with the executive order to send Japanese Americans to those camps. Yeah, and here's the thing: even though we're half, mm-hmm. we would still yeah be sent to be those there. camps, and it's it's very big with Asians because we just look different. Yeah, but now I will say Italians or Germans did face similar mm-hmm. threats during World War One and uh, World War Two as well. Same with Italians in World War Two; they did face some of that prejudice. Mm-hmm. But when and when American looks at or a white person looks at a German and they don't know they're German, they're just white. Yeah, it's it's hard to distinguish if they're German, Italian, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever, right. you know, European Irish, country, whatever. Yeah, and 
but with an with a Japanese person, it's very easy to tell. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you're Asian, so right. you're the enemy, and that's that's where I think some of it stems for is just simply based on how Asians look. Yeah, and it's it's like true that like the societal tides of like what's happening yeah. in the greater culture will dictate a lot of that because like, you know. For example, what happened in Georgia recently uh-huh. can kind of pretty much be attributed to coronavirus and yeah. then the exacerbation of anti-Asian sentiment with like China virus and Kung flu, which I thought was hilarious. Kung flu, I was like, that's a, that's, that's just a, like for a, for, for a president to say that, I'm just like, man. One, uh, one of my coworkers, <laughs> he, uh, I think this is one of my favorites. He called it sick or, uh. Sweet and sour sicken. <laughs> what? I was just like, all right, I, all right. I appreciate that. But, um, but yeah, I, it's always been there. And yeah, definitely having the previous president stirring the pot yeah. did not help. So yeah, it's kind of interesting because societally, we, for example, since we've been born, there hasn't been anything super anti-Asian to happen i'm trying to think mm-hmm. in my memory banks of like what could be but it's like no everyone fucks with anime so it's like you know <laughs> it's like it's cool black people fuck with anime so it's like it's even better now but yeah that was really the first one and it's mm-hmm. kind of shocking to see it's like okay so this stuff really does exist but i think the argument that it's you know worse than it's ever been is unequivocally false and i think that no. it's like it's like we just i mean we have so much media at our fingertips that it's like when something happens we're gonna know about it it's gonna be blown up they're gonna cover it all the time people are gonna post stuff about it people still post about asian Mm -hmm. hate yada yada which is appreciated and all that but on some level it's like how how reflective of this is is this of our society yeah i don't think it is at all i really think the outpour of disgust behind it shows that like we are not about that as a society and the fringes of society that are about that like we are we don't fuck with that yeah, I, I do, <laughs> you know, seeing on social media people posting, like, stop Asian hate bullshit, Yeah, that irks me. Yeah, I'm because not, because it's self-serving. You, yeah, you can sit there and post, you know, what, or change your, what, put a filter on your Facebook profile picture. Like a yellow, blo- like, a yellow block instead of a black yeah, one. Like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't give a fuck if you do that. Like, yeah. that's not helping us. You know, now me personally, ever since coronavirus started, I have not had an issue, no experience at all. So I'm very fortunate in that sense. Yeah. But if, you know, you know, I think from, it seems like a lot of it's out West, a Mm. lot of the attacks. And I think there's a few in New York City, but uh, if something was to happen to me, like, I don't care if you post that stuff. That stuff, it's it's essentially the same line of saying like, oh, we're sending our thoughts and prayers. What the yeah. fuck are your thoughts and prayers going to do yeah, for me? Is yeah. it going to create a magic bubble around me that's going right. to protect me? That No. And yeah. like a lot of that essentially is going to depend on you as a person. And unfortunately, with the society that we live in, mm-hmm. you know, the harsh reality is that bad things could happen. Yeah. And ultimately, the outcome of that bad thing is going to depend on you. Mm -hmm. So one thing, you know, after working with guns, uh, working at a gun store, like there's a huge uptick in Asians, Asian Americans buying guns. Mm. 
there's, you know, I've sold guns to many Asian families and these families, you know, can, they have a little bit of a hard time speaking English, but legally they can buy yeah. a gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, father, mother, and their kids will be there and the dad, you know, wants to buy a Glock mm-hmm. because he feels that he needs to put that protection in his own hands. Yeah. And I'm 100% on board with that, mm-hmm. you know, and it is everybody's right to own a firearm. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean I don't think that everybody should have a firearm. Right, right, yeah. But, you know, me personally, I've had a concealed carry since I was 21 mm-hmm. because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen if I go right. to, you know, gas station or, you mm-hmm. know, in a crowded area. But at least that I know that if something does happen, I have an option to defend yeah. myself. And that's one thing that I think a lot of Asian Americans should look at as an option. It sucks that you have to, you know, maybe resort to buying a firearm. Mm-hmm. Because walking in Tokyo, walking in Hiroshima, I feel I do not feel oh. the need to carry a gun at all. Oh, dude, not I even. feel 100% safe. Yeah. But walking... On a street in Lexington, you know, most a lot of the times I don't go anywhere without a handgun. Really? I'm always packing wherever yeah. I go. Because, you know, if I'm with my fiance, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't carry, but, you know, I have something that I can protect us yeah. with if something was to happen. Right. So, like I'm, I'm carrying right now. Yeah. You know, I have a gun on my hip, but, you know, hopefully and fortunately I've never... I've been in one instant incident where I almost had to unholster, mm-hmm. but the guy was just drunk. Oh yeah, yeah. So I didn't feel the need to do it right. automatically. But you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And um, a lot of and I think there was three months last year uh, in the FBI database because when you buy a gun, you have to do a background check through the FBI. Yeah which I don't know if a lot of people know that. I don't know. But <laughs> well, you now get... you know, PC Podcast <laughs> listeners, FBI background check. So there is a background check right. just for people to know. You got know. making pipe bombs in high school? Mm, they'll know. It's, it's not <laughs> looking good for you. But uh, I think they said that there were over 3 million first-time gun owners that bought a gun. Oh, yeah, during coronavirus. Yeah. People just were just like, uh, we're losing toilet mm-hmm. paper. I might have to kill somebody for some toilet paper, right? Like, people are going nuts. And people, I mean, even now, ammo is very hard to get. Yeah, guns, Some that. guns are very hard to get. Um, oh, I also need to give a shout-out to Roof Koreans. What my is that? People. So, <laughs> so when there were a lot of the uh, racial uh, protests, I think Seattle, was it Seattle? One of them. Yeah, uh, they were Korean-owned businesses, mm. and the uh, shop owners would stand on their roofs with rifles really? to protect their business. Yeah, because you know, pro, you know, go ahead and protest. That is your right. If yeah. you, if something is unjust, it needs to be addressed. Yeah, but people's business right. should not be touched. Yeah, it's like don't protest and then also ruin a bunch of black, brown, and Asian people's businesses yeah. while you're doing it. It's like I mean, you're, you're pretty much destroying... You're doing the wrong thing yeah, right now. like things of 100%. people that you're trying to stand up for. That's a thing. That's like goes back to like the whole posting, whatever, this or that, yada, yada, about, yeah. oh, we're here for you. And it's like this pandering thing that you do to 
make yourself feel better pretty much mm-hmm. i was listening to this i guess lecture that this guy coleman hughes was giving about the case for color blindness yeah. i really liked it. it was really good but he kind of takes this idea of because we we use this word white guilt right mm-hmm. a lot to signify the guilt that white people feel when something happens to a minority group yeah and then we feel that a lot of the the support that minority people get is born out of guilt yeah and he was like it's not really even fair to call it guilt anymore it's more like white terror mm-hmm. it's like the terrifying reality of white people that they realize that if, if they don't say something they might be construed as racist mm-hmm. and there's actually nothing worse in the world to be if you're white than racist and it's just like first of all i could think of a million worse things you could be yeah. than racist and second of all it's like what has gotten into white people that feel like they have to like do all this stuff to make sure it's like no no, no I'm, I'm an ally i'm on your side yeah. it's like it it feels so disingenuine and it feels you can just feel it through they're like you know they're like overcompensating almost yeah yeah and you're just like dude i your words really mean nothing yeah like first of all just because one group of people is or certain people from a group are doing something Mm -hmm. i'm not tagging guilt to you by association that makes no sense whatsoever the problem is that there are people that do that the whole critical race theory anti-racist movement it's like if you're white you're guilty like by association Mm -hmm. the only way you can do anything about it is to voice your concern quote unquote open up dialogue yada yada uplift your minority friends whatever the fuck all that means and like it's being peddled by the highest level academics in our in our culture yeah phds that write books that get onto new york times bestsellers for weeks and capitalize on this feeling that white people need to do something Mm -hmm. so they get a book and uh fucking quote unquote educate themselves about what's going on and what they're being fed is just like i've read these books and it's like there's a lot of good points to a lot of them but they don't amount to anything actionable or beneficial to people of color in my opinion because uh you see this with black people especially with this and it's it's reached in way way weird places like with math like all of a sudden math (laughs) is racist because it's Uh objective it's objective relies on objective reality which Mm -hmm. is a white supremacist or originated thought and i'm like dude what are you trying to do are you trying to lower the standard are you trying to lower the bar for people are you trying to like coddle and infantilize people because if you really don't think that people of color can do math as we have figured out the universe with because it's quote unquote white yeah it's like you are literally like dumbing down for minority people because you don't believe that they can come up to your standard that's fucking that's not racist that's like malevolent yeah right and a lot of it, you know, people tend to pick and choose that kind of stuff, you know, association, because if if you're going to completely cut off everything that's associated with racism, okay, well, half of the products that we use should not even be here. Yeah. Um, like, for example, Hugo Boss, you know, they're yeah, known for making... He made the Nazi uniforms. Yeah, they made uniforms right. for the Third Reich. Uh, we talked about this on the podcast, yeah. on a different episode the other day. Porsche made, you know, right. tanks. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, a lot of this stuff... A lot of the medicine that we know comes from very fucked up places where we yeah. just, like, tortured people and just figured out really bad mm -hmm. things about... Especially the whole OBGYN, like, field yeah. is, like, they practice on black women because they're like, hey, see, mm -hmm. they don't feel pain. It's like, you know... Yeah. But once again, it'd be fucked up not to use that information now. And same thing with Fanta, you know? Yeah. People don't realize the origin of right. Fanta, but people are still drinking it. We literally talked about this on <laughs> mine and Daniel and Jesse's, yeah. It is just like, there's so many things that are out there that are, you know, that get their start or, you know, that are associated with, you know, major regimes that we fought and we looked down on. Yeah. But no one's talking about that. That's the thing, man. It's like, people want something actionable they can do yeah and i think if anybody who listens to this podcast and sees two j half japanese people talking about asian hate and what they can do it's like what i would say is like look like don't kill a bunch of asians like don't do all this stuff and don't be like a self-righteous asshole about how yeah. quote unquote an ally you are it's like if you want to be anything first of all i think that posting about it is actually counter to the narrative yeah. i think it really is just that's not how you do it. That's why I started this podcast. It was like George mm -hmm. Floyd happened. I was like, I have shit to say. I'm not going to make a Facebook post about yeah. it. Because like, that's not. Exactly. It's not my. I can't put all the context I want mm -hmm. into this and actually give an emotional and like real take on what I think about everything that's happening. So I did this just to have conversation to do it. And I think that's like a good way to, you know, it's like shut up online. No one mm -hmm. really cares what you say online, I promise. Like, mm -hmm. there's, like, eight people that'll be like, yes, queen. Yeah. And it's like, those people also, you know, it's like, you're not appealing to the right people, I don't think. Yeah. If you want to do anything, just, A, don't be a fucking asshole. Don't be racist. Mm -hmm. Don't be, you know what racist is, right? You yeah. don't have to go around and be like, oh, no, I, there's, there, there's, like, I read an article about how a company spent a bunch of, like, week, like a week, talking about if they should use the term flip book or not because a flip is derogatory to filipinos okay and like there were like no filipinos that worked at this company yeah it was just like a bunch of people just like talking about this spending mm -hmm. a bunch of company time talking about should we ban the word flip book it's like yeah then you better ban the word like flip flop or flip phone yeah. or anything else really? too it's like what what do you think that does like yeah. do you really think that policing speech is the answer to the to racism you shallow fuck like the only only thing that someone can do to really show me that you know they are you know quote unquote our ally you know if someone is you know trying you know verbally attacking me or you know on the verge of physically attacking me if if you see yourself as an ally to Asian Americans, mm -hmm. then actually step in. If yeah. you step in and try to stop it, sure, yeah, I I definitely believe you. Yeah. But if you're just gonna go on social media and you know, type, you know, a fucking essay on why you're an ally. Yeah. That's not gonna do shit. I'm for like, me. yeah, I'm less inclined to believe you at that yeah. point. It's like, but like if I talk to you for a while, it's like you can get a pretty good you know read on people it's like i can tell yeah. that you're not you don't hate me because of my color and mm. i don't i don't think i've met anybody that just like that that just like you know haitians just can't stand them i was like yeah. you know, i've never met anyone like that it's like they maybe they're closeted and just like hiding mm -hmm. and like i'm assuming there's people that we know that may have been doing that but like i don't know it i think it's way it's few and far between and media just blows it up mm -hmm. and here here's my take on it i'm very I don't care about the whole like you know yes we should unite 
you know, we need to have dialogue about it. But I, I believe more in action yeah. than just talking about it because, which, you know, ironic, we're sitting here talking about it. That's the thing, it. man, is, like, I think talking is a good action to it take is. versus posting and, like, shouting into an abyss yeah. where things can be misconstrued and, like, the the person you're talking to doesn't have the, your best interest in mind yeah. when you're talking. Because, like, when you have a conversation, we both agree to the to the terms of this mm-hmm game we're playing kind yeah. of it's like we like each other we are supportive of each other's ideas mm-hmm. and if there are ideas that we don't feel comfortable in other settings spewing that we would be fine in this setting so we can mm-hmm. work it out because we have the best intention in mind yeah. between each other but online someone can just be like you use the word flip you're racist against filipinos yeah <laughs> and it's like all right it breaks down and it's like i i know what you mean like you want people to take action but like what actions are people taking is it policing speech i think that's a very shallow way to combat Mm -hmm. something as strong and deeply rooted as racism i think it's super naive just to be like we're not gonna i don't know make all these we're just gonna make symbolic gestures as to yeah and a lot of the videos that i've seen of asian americans being harassed i mean i would say the majority of of the population especially majority of the people that are quick to post on social media probably suffer from the bystander effect yeah you know confrontation makes people uncomfortable naturally yeah but there you know there's there's a minority that live for confrontation they Mm -hmm. want that yeah but majority of people if they see somebody you know screaming at a chinese person you know because of covid or whatever they're just more than likely they're going to cower you know look the other way and that that's the end of it and Mm -hmm. then that person you know that chinese person you know they have to deal with you know all that harassment Mm -hmm. and nobody's helping yeah but the cool one of the coolest things i saw the other day is uh there was i think she was in her 70s uh i think i heard about there was a there was a white guy that went I don't, it was an Asian community he, he would go into every now and then and mm-hmm. harass people. And she just got tired of him. Yeah. And she beat, beat him his ass to the point where he was on a gurney. Like on a stretcher. Yeah. yeah. Being, you know, or being put on an ambulance. It's like <laughs> a 70 year old woman right. kicked this guy's ass. Oh, that is like, so satisfying. It, oh my too. gosh. Yes. Right. I was so happy about that. About that action. And I'm not saying, you know, always resort to violence. But there are just sometimes violence is necessary. Yeah. I mean. that ain't, Right there. You, especially if it's a 70-year-old woman invoking yo, violence. Yeah. And you get beat by a 70. Like, bro, you deserve it. And every yeah. form of the work. Like, you need to be humiliated for a while. You need to just kind of crawl under a rock yeah. for a year. Lay low. Like, you're going to be that guy for a while. I mean, it, I think that that also says something about the youth as well. Because uh, I'm sure there were you know younger people there that could have done something yeah and didn't have to wait for an old lady to take action Mm -hmm. but which i have my own opinion on that (laughs) i'm a little bit more direct um i do i do believe that violence is the answer sometimes yeah really depends on the issue that's the thing is like when when we think about power and like men that have this sort of raw power it's like 
it, it takes a strong man to have power and never want to use it. That's like yeah. the sign of a strong man, right? It's like someone who's strong, capable, and hopes to God they never have to do anything yeah. with that. Because that's like what you want. You don't want some weak, fragile person who's like happens to be strong that just uses violence to their to their whim. Yeah. That's a sign of a weak human being yeah. mm-hmm. in general. It's just it's like you use power to get your way because you don't have uh, other facilities to do that. And yeah. that's a sign of just like your own self-consciousness your own self-doubt and weakness of your own mind and it's very easy to pinpoint that out but it's like mm-hmm. we should want men to be strong right like yeah, men and women men and women <laughs> for that matter yeah exactly. it's yeah. like everyone should be strong yeah like i and i i hate that right now it seems like being strong strong-willed mm-hmm. with strong conviction strong powerful in any way is just looked down upon as if you're some brute dumb whatever just out here for violence it's like Mm -hmm. no 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 no. you have to realize the necessity for violence because it's always going to be here like you're not going to have peace without it literally yeah and you know it's worse for women because when they're when they're being strong and when they're standing up for themselves people are just gonna brush it aside and say oh it's either that time of the month again or she's just being a bitch it's yeah it's so disingenuous to just like write off people's strength because of their sex gender race whatever it is yeah and it's like, why are we getting into this? Like, why, why, why can't we let people let people's merits like speak for themselves? We we're at this point yeah. in society where like, if anything happens, we have to look at it th- look at it through this lens of like, all right, who's this person's identity? What they back? What's their background? They got to this position. Oh, your parents were like slightly rich. That's probably why you're yeah. successful. It's like, dude, are you not gonna let anyone have anything? Mm-hmm. It's like you have to be a victim now to be like yeah. a quote unquote good person. And it's like. And once again, actually, it's probably an exaggeration of media. I don't oh, think yeah. I don't think people actually think like that. But yeah. that's what's being fed, right? That's what's popular to see mm-hmm. and hear day to day. I mean, this is tw- episode like twenty four of the podcast. I've never met a single person that like adheres to that extreme kind of ideology of like victimization and oppression and intersectionality, all that. Yeah. It's like we're all kind of aware of it. I think intuitively because we were born when we were born. Yeah. Right. It's like we kind of see racial hierarchy. It's like, yeah, we're aware of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, for example, I talked to a lot of people from high school on here and my friend Jordan came in and he was like, yeah, dude, Henry Clay was like a microcosm of what America was trying to be because we were just, it was integrated, you know, like mm-hmm. it was segregated in terms of classes, like advanced versus general and AP and all that. But yeah. like every day we were there with, everybody Mm -hmm. right it was like race was like an issue to some degree i heard that i've never laughed harder than when black kids would get in trouble they'd be like it's because i'm black (laughs) (laughs) i thought that show was hilarious and everyone thought it was hilarious and like maybe that's you know casual to write it off as funny but like that's where i saw race relations was was just like ah he's doing the thing but Mm -hmm. you know doesn't mean he's not gonna like do the homework or the math problem whatever is happening he's not just gonna be like ah it's because i'm black and you're a racist and this is a white supremacist culture so you can't expect me to do anything yeah um yeah using uh, i think depending on the situation you know blaming someone for being racist is sometimes a cop-out uh like especially if you don't get your way um and that that's definitely not for every occasion Mm -hmm. um but sometimes, you know, people might use that as, you know, 
to pl- place blame on something else and that's that and i think that's really the stem of the whole uh attacks against the asian american community with coronavirus is because people want to place the blame on something yeah they yeah. need to place the blame on something we need an enemy yeah yeah and once you know when reports were coming out that you know the virus originated in wuhan china yeah okay well there's where we're gonna place yeah, the blame there's the, there's the blame okay so that's where we have the blame but when the virus was starting to spike in the united states you know we're still placing the blame on china but we're having so many people refusing to wear masks yeah right like where i work you know the demographic of that you know of gun shops not trying to generalize it but a lot of them are you know conservative yeah white males and um it's not even a general it's like an observation yeah it's just like why why would there be a super liberal lefty woman transgender person working at cabela's right it's like i mean it would make sense and you know a lot of these even though they could but oh yeah like i mean there we there's a few there's there's a few uh I'll say at least one gay guy that works there but you know with all the employees everybody mm-hmm. accepts them everybody likes them yeah you know like we're not gonna we're not gonna like you because you're gay we're we're seeing you as a human yeah you know you you know want to be gay or you being gay that's you know that's subsequent. sometimes that's not something they can help you know that's just how they're born yeah but we accept you you know we accept him for that yeah and it's just like accepting someone for yeah. being asian or black or white it's just like you're just like yeah it seems like we're muddying the conversation to where when we're pointing blame at something so mm-hmm. broad like systemic racism yeah it's like no one is innocent everyone yeah. is guilty till proven innocent and you have to consistently prove that you're innocent yeah in order to work in that realm and it's just like it's so disingenuine it's just so like you said, it's a cop out sometimes. Like, it is. Like we need to identify racism when it happens, so we can parse out like what's truly racist mm-hmm. versus what's like, all right, is this really racism or did you just suck at whatever you did? Yeah. And then you're citing racism. It's like there's there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And man, when you can go down the rabbit hole, it's like, well, I might have been bad at it, but it's because I didn't have the resources growing up and yada yada, and my father was absent or and like my mother was this and that always working you can like make a million thousand excuses reasons for whatever it is it is but you can't deny reality yeah i will say now when i when i was a high school teacher that you know family not being present for a lot of the kids that i taught that was a major factor yeah um and i had this one student uh his he grew up in Lexington and kind of got involved with like the gang scene and whatever mm-hmm. because his family wasn't always present. So that's just, I mean, for him, yeah, that gang life, that is his family. Yeah. And that's what he knows. But, you know, I tried to reach out to him and a lot of the teachers didn't really want to deal with him because he, he was a bad kid. Yeah. I'll be honest. He's, he's really bad. But when I treated him like a person, uh, he would calm down and uh there were times that you know i had i had this one kid he he wore a confederate flag belt buckle really and uh he was not happy about it so i I had a they almost got in a fight but i I pulled him out in the hallway and Mm -hmm. i told him like hey you know 
let's you know when i took kids out in the hallway i never got mad at them i never yeah. screamed at a kid um i would just go out in the hallway and say hey you know looks like you need to chill out like let's just talk mm-hmm. you know what's on your mind you know or this kid he he liked engineering yeah so you know i would have the class do another you know assignment whatever and i would go out in the hallway and just talk about engineering with him get yeah. his mind off of things right because home life wasn't good for him yeah and i knew that he knew that mm-hmm. um and i would try to get other adults involved um like every high school there was a army recruiter mm-hmm. and i wanted to try to get him involved uh with this kid so that you know once he does become of age you know maybe the military might have been the best option for him because it would physically get him out of that environment yeah it would set him up for success in terms of you know whatever job he picked in the military um, give him some structure yeah i mean give him something to start with yeah i mean even if he doesn't want to stay in the military forever mm-hmm. he has some skills you know ideally he would have some money saved up yeah and he can decide where to go on from there you know right so Right, and it's like it's important to parse this information out and be like, this kid is has a home life, this that. It's specific, yeah. right? It's like very specific as to mm-hmm. versus being like, oh, your problem is systemic racism. So, and then being like, it's okay, I'm here for you, and all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not fixing this kid's problem because that's not exactly this kid's mm-hmm. problem right now. It's that he's got this issue at home, and there's very specific circumstances. Yeah. But there's actionable things to do. Yeah. It's the important thing to realize. It's like, you don't, I mean, like, yeah, you can police speech and do all this other stuff, but it's like, there are things that you can, that require effort. Like, mm-hmm. let's be real, require disproportionate amounts of effort to uplift somebody out of that situation that a lot of people aren't willing to put in. Yeah. And instead opt for, you know, posts, whatever, something that's going to, show it's like oh something happened here i'm still an ally it's like yeah this is, but you know are you helping mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting especially in a school dynamic when you really get intimate with a student it's like it's like you see this person every day yeah i mean i would try to i'd gain or i gained his trust um unfortunately he went to juvie but uh mm-hmm. i mean to the point where he would hang out in my classroom after school sometimes because he admitted that there were a few times he didn't want to go home. Yeah. Um, I even got him in touch with the baseball coach because he liked baseball. Mm-hmm. So trying to get him connections yeah. to other people that can help him as well. Um, because I, you know, with the whole military aspect of it, I've served with a lot of people that came from bad families and they joined the military to get away from it. Yeah. And for a lot of them, you know, right now they're very successful yeah you know what getting away from that and then realizing there's there's a lot more yeah. out there than what they saw in their neighborhoods and um and you know i deal with that as well as a drill sergeant you know seeing i might see these kids that you know they had nothing growing up mm-hmm. and being in a you know platoon you know that's that's the first time they get a really intimate connection in terms of family. Mm-hmm. They're getting three hot meals a day. They're getting a place to sleep. They're getting paid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they're getting the discipline mm-hmm. that 
They're getting a structure. Yeah, like, and even though we're yelling at them constantly, um, you know, a lot of these kids want that. They want that discipline. Yeah. And yeah. They, they even tell us, you know, towards the end of the cycle, you know, they might tell a drill sergeant, you know, I really appreciated you yelling at me that one day because it made me realize, you know, how much of a shitbag I was. Yeah. And that I needed that. You know how many people don't have someone to yell at them? Everybody needs somebody to yell exactly. at them. Exactly. <laughs> like, you can't, there's this, like, you know, rosy-eyed view of kids. It's like, oh, you let them be free and they'll do things that they enjoy and master them because mm-hmm. they like them. It's like... Yeah, if you're, like, really good at something. Yeah. If you're, like, you know, 5% of kids, maybe. It's like, yeah, sure, that would happen. But most kids want need something to go to that, like, involves them in community, has a structure, has mm-hmm. set things. Cause kids love that shit. Kids love everything being parsed out for them. And it's like, I do this at this time, at this at this time, continuously yeah. over and over and over again. It's like, without that, especially when you're young, you, ha- you you don't feel grounded yeah. right it's like your foundation is just rocky you don't know what mm-hmm. you're stepping on you don't know you can't keep one foot in the structure while also poking a foot out to the next thing yeah. right so you need a stable foundation to keep one foot in for you to like go out to the next thing and yeah it's like if you don't have that structure going up it's like you got to find it yeah and that i think that's the issue i mean a lot of people were i feel like People are trying to make, especially with the younger generation now, you know, they're being very supportive, almost, this is going to sound weird, too supportive. Yeah. Kind of like uh, changing what reality really is. Right. Um, and, you know, when when people think of drill sergeants, they automatically think of full metal jacket. Yeah. You know, yeah, right. You know, drill instructor yelling at people, you know, choking them out, slapping them, whatever. Um, at the end of the day, all that really is is just tough love because it's mm-hmm. not that we hate them. No. We don't hate them per se. Sometimes you... we might because they're just being an asshole. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is establish that discipline for them because there might be a day they go off to war. Mm-hmm. And everything we're teaching them is getting them prepared for you know a life and death situation. Yeah. But at the same time, we're also developing them as a person yeah um and that's why i disagree with parents not spanking their kids mm-hmm. i got spanked as a kid i'm fine i mean right i, I don't do anything it's like, crazy it's like it doesn't have to be spanking it needs to be some sort of like form of tough love yeah i, th- I think where spanking gets wrong is where like what i think spanking is sometimes is when parents don't discipline their kids for a long time they let their kids get away with tiny tiny yeah. things and all of a sudden, all randomly one day, the parent blows up and starts beating the shit out of their yeah. kid because they didn't actually do the incremental discipline necessary prior to that. Yeah, there's a and, fine line. And the kid gets yeah. a weird, like, oh, no. Because like, when you do that, you're doing it because you actually hate your child. Yeah. Because you've let things go so much, and you start to build little bits of resentment against your kid. Mm-hmm. And when you beat your kid from that place in your heart, like, it, it's different than, like, being reprimanded when you do something wrong yeah now it doesn't have to be spanking like if that's your style then just like be careful i would yeah. say but like you need something to be like hey don't do that and you have to do it because you love your child you have to like yeah make your child upset you're gonna make them cry you're gonna make them 
unhappy sometimes. It's like you you just have to. I'm sorry, you can't let them get away with little shit all the time. Yeah, they. I mean, they need to feel disappointment because yeah. they're gonna feel that when they become an adult. I mean, yeah. it's inevitable. Right. You know, they they might get rejected from a college they want to go to, mm-hmm. and if they don't know what it feels like to you know realize that life sucks sometimes. I mean their first reaction to that could be really to bad. adversity yeah i mean because you if you build yourself on a false platform and all of a sudden you get knocked down it's like you have to build a new platform yeah and it's like it's like growing up and realizing you have to discipline yourself and structure your own life and how difficult that is mm-hmm. because it's like you don't have enough willpower in your own like uh, you do but like it's way harder to harness willpower on your own versus yeah. When you're in school or in the army or in something that gives you a structure to strive for because it's like manifesting your own values and morals is not as easy as be a good person it's like no that's yeah. not that's not like <laughs> it's not substantive enough for you to live like that you can be a good person and not do shit ever all yeah. the time but also not be mean it's like yeah that's great but you're not a person that anybody wants to be around if you don't do anything if you're just being a quote-unquote good person yeah and kids need to be exposed to bad things yeah like uh history for example you know they need to be exposed to certain atrocities that happened in the world and because if they were to see something like that happen Mm -hmm. in person they might not know how to react to it yeah like and i think that goes into the whole thing with asian americans you know when they don't we're not when they're not exposed to stuff like that you know and if they see an asian american being harassed how are they supposed to know like, true yeah asians are very much that. pacifists when it yeah. comes to that i mean like japan is a very pacifist country now mm-hmm. because macarthur pretty much wrote our constitution yeah in 1945 huh. um so we didn't really have too much of a say in our constitution but as a whole japan did decide that they want to be a pacifist country yeah yeah um because they saw the effects of war and stuff like that yeah and they don't want that anymore understandably but it it's a little bit different in the united states because you know when we have all these mass shootings people are going to be exposed to that i mean yeah kids are going to be exposed to that because that's going to become the dialogue and unfortunately that's probably going to happen with what happened today yesterday in colorado yeah that's going to become a hot topic for the you know next few weeks Mm -hmm. after that no one's going to talk about it yeah until the next shooting right one sec i gotta use the bathroom real quick all right yeah so we're we're talking about what structure spanking your kids beat yeah. your kids beat the shit out of your kids no make them realize that. life sucks <laughs> i mean you guys you just gotta be realistic right yeah i think i don't know i don't i i, I don't feel like asian kids get beat more uh probably now that i think about yeah, it yeah, i mean probably there's that whole stereotype of asians being nerds and whatever yeah yeah um but you know once you can coddle your kid all you want but I feel, and it's hard for me to say I'm not a parent. I don't have yeah, a kid. Right. But I'm seeing a lot of kids being coddled. And once they actually go out into the real world, you know, they don't know how to react to yeah. certain shit. Like, you know, 
and another reality with the United States is, you know, having guns, you know, you Things have can go south pretty quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. 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 And people don't know how to react to that. And that's why I'm a firm believer that, you know, if you have the right to defend yourself, why not take advantage of it? Yeah. And that's the thing with the Asian American community, you know, in the current gun community, I mean, they're very supportive of mm-hmm. Asian Americans right now. Yeah. Um, like, there's a, uh, I can't remember his last name, but if you play Warzone, his name's Ronan. I don't um, play Warzone, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> some, some of the people listening to this play Warzone. <laughs> he was a DLC, or he was an add-on character, and he's a, his name is Two Something. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But essentially, uh, with his backstory, he was a kid growing up in Vietnam, and his family moved to the United States because of the war. Mm-hmm. So he did grow up as an American, but he was still an immigrant. And um, he was exposed to the harsh reality of the world at a very young age. Yeah. And growing up, he decided to join the military. Mm-hmm. Um, he became a Green Beret, um, retired as the rank of Master Sergeant which if you don't know what that is very high up in the enlisted rank yeah so he was very he had a very successful military career i mean special forces he saw the worst in humans mm-hmm. so now what he does is he's a weapons instructor i mean he uh trains law enforcement military yeah. and he even has training sessions with civilians so my thing with asian americans you know go out there you know take some if you don't know how to shoot a gun, you know, take a class. Yeah. Go to Bud's Gun Shop. You know, there are instructors there that will teach you how to shoot. Yeah. And they're, you know, very welcoming. And uh, they're patient. And they'll teach you how to shoot. And yeah. It's like you should you should get comfortable. Yeah. Or it's like you should. It's not like the gun symbolizes everything wrong no. with humanity. And it's Mm-mm. purely for violence. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like. This is a skill. Yeah. This is a skill you can hone that will make mm-hmm. you a more competent person and in a certain situation. Yeah, it, it because we live in a society where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, at my house, you know, I, I keep a backpack where I have supplies. Mm-hmm. If I need it, you know, if I need to leave the house at once, mm-hmm. I have all, you know, minimal supplies in that backpack. You know, I'll keep ammunition in there if I need it. Um, I'm just, I'm not a prepper mm-hmm. per se. I don't think anything that bad's going <laughs> right, to happen. Yeah, yeah. But if something bad was to happen, you know, you got I'm, a backpack. I'm ready to go yeah. with my backpack, right. my bug out bag. There you go. I mean, but you know, take take classes. You know, even martial arts. Yeah. Know, take some martial arts. In high school, I took mm-hmm. uh, Krav Maga, and really, one of the things we learned how to do in Krav Maga, you know, if someone has you at gunpoint you know how to disarm them stuff mm-hmm. like that um but there's a lot of good self-defense classes with uh concealed carry i mean if you can get your concealed carry permit get it mm-hmm. because i i travel out of state a lot so having that concealed carry permit permits me to carry a handgun yeah outside of kentucky right and this <laughs> the scary thing when we had governor uh was it matt bevan yeah that crazy son bitch um, yeah, that guy was. He off made his horse. <laughs> he made concealed carry legal without a uh, concealed carry license. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
and that makes me very nervous for real so it's like any and like they like loosened up background checks or something no well. background checks are still are they still still there yeah. um they're still i mean they, i mean they work that means that you could just have a gun and just carry yeah. it around and and um and the great thing about the concealed carry class is when you take it you actually have to take an eight-hour course on how to clean your weapon mm-hmm. how to properly use it the bulk of the class is uh, focused on the laws mm-hmm. in Kentucky, so self-defense laws. And one thing that people don't realize, a lot of these laws, gun laws, self-defense laws, they typically work against the gun owner. Really? So if you have to, if you have to use your firearm in a self-defense scenario, be ready to go to uh, court. Really? Yeah. They They don't have like that stand your ground no. law in florida or whatever it's like a lot of it you, you know, have to be very justified to extremely be, justified yeah, like, it has to be like in your house intruder yeah. kind of thing um and uh and then you'll go to the range and they have to you have to hit a certain amount of times on the target in order to uh, qualify so the concealed carry process it can be rigorous it's not hard per se but there's a lot to it but now you have all these wannabe punishers and supermen mm. you know carrying guns yeah when they Vigilantes. probably shouldn't yeah. yeah and they don't know a single thing about the law and when something happens you know or like you know a verbal altercation or something they might be quick to draw their gun mm-hmm. and that's what makes me nervous about that law because anybody legally can carry or that can legally own a firearm can carry a handgun now hmm. and so if you live in kentucky that's and why that's, that's essentially they are allowed to carry a handgun with no knowledge of the laws or like circumstances with which you can use that handgun exactly yeah so it's like they, they just lack the knowledge of like mm-hmm. so they assume they know it's like i know when i can use my gun yeah right so they justify it whatever way they can and that you know yeah. a lot of them might justify saying like oh i've been shooting a gun since i was a kid mm-hmm. well it's like yeah me too yeah but yeah. it's like take the eight hour course dummy it was like, like it's a... there's still things that i don't know yeah exactly i mean i would I would say I know a lot more about guns than a normal person, but I don't see myself as an expert. Especially when it comes to like laws and stuff. Yeah. Too. It's like, when can you use this? When are you justified in using this thing? Exactly. And it's like just, just eight hours of your life just to like. And the sucky thing about that is I'm not going to think about the laws if my life's in danger or oh, if, yeah. you know, my fiance's life is in danger. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to think about the laws. If someone is trying to do physical harm to us, I'm going to shoot them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, yeah. It's like, I'm it's not like, going to think about it. Right. You know, whatever happens afterwards, you know, the best thing I can do is, mm-hmm. you know, justify my action. Yeah. I mean. But that's the thing is, like, I think we should be more comfortable with equipping people with the competence to own these things, right? It's like, yeah. it's like it is a huge responsibility to have a gun. And oh, maybe yes. and maybe like the current laws, maybe they're too lax. Who knows? But like, we we should be get more comfortable with being like, hey, there are people in this society. There are a lot of yeah. people in this society. Most of the people in the society, I would say, are competent human beings that are responsible. And like, I I'm just <laughs> you know I'm giving everyone the benefit yeah. of the doubt, uh-huh. right? It's like we we need to be more comfortable empowering people to do things for themselves. Yeah. 
because ultimately it's like you don't want to rely on something else to save you in yeah. in, in any situation mm -hmm. right it's like to the best of your ability you want to be equipped with like competence to confront a situation yeah because ultimately it's you know it's not just your life you know it's life of you know lives of other people around you your loved ones now i mean if you have time definitely call the police yeah but you know if, if you have a home intruder and you know you might realize that there's a home intruder until they're trying to break down your door or you know trying to get through the window yeah at that point yeah I call you can call the police but that doesn't mean right. they're gonna get yeah. there. Yeah. So if you have a family, you know, you're trying to protect. Sometimes you just gotta take action. You yeah. Know, hands. And, um, but that that was something that was taught to me by my dad, because I mean, you know, my dad's a combat vet. Mm -hmm. You know, served in the military, so he has those, you know, principles, uh, and you know. I do feel comfortable with my dad being around my mom all the time. Like when they go to the store, you know, yeah, yeah. if someone tries to mess with my mom, my dad, he will not hold back. Right. Right. He, yeah. he will punch first and ask questions later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and probably fortunately he probably, you know, he doesn't carry a gun. So, yeah. But, um, you, you have the means to defend yourself. Why not? And I understand that the current, you know, situations with you know gun or uh, yeah. mass shootings and stuff it does make stuff like that controversial mm -hmm. but i mean you never know i mean like at fayette mall there was that one shooting it's been a lot yeah i yeah. mean little kids that don't have any training or any yeah. idea of what they're doing out there just waving guns around mm -hmm. and you know using it as leverage yeah, and it's like that's not the kind of gun ownership we want, right? No, it's like we no. want we want way more sensible. It's like how the fuck did you get these guns? Why do you have these guns? Exactly. Like, and why are you glorifying using them? Like that, like you want to yeah. use them. It's like it's not the point. And there, there's a thing in the military we call escalation of force, where, you know, there's a certain step, or there's there's certain steps you have to take before you resort to firing your weapon. Mm -hmm. I mean, you always have to try to defuse a situation verbally. Yeah. You know, like, if someone is harassing you, you know, try to talk it out first. Yeah. Um, and then if, you know, they pull out a knife or any type of weapon and you know that they're intending it to use it against you, draw your gun. Yeah. yeah. Don't shoot them. Right. But let them know that, you have the means to defend yourself mm -hmm. and then from there i mean whatever their action is respond accordingly yeah. essentially and that's the one thing that you know the asian american community they need to you know really embrace um and it it sucks that we have to resort to carrying guns mm -hmm. but if this is what they're what we're going to deal with yeah what we're dealing with right now it's like the reality of the situation yeah it's like, of I mean, course we w we want no violence right oh yeah it'd be great yeah. if we didn't have guns and there was no violence right 100%. well you know for me like shooting a gun that's a hobby for me like yeah. guns are hobbies and i don't see guns as a weapon i see guns as tools yeah because yeah. you know you use guns to hunt mm -hmm. you know you know go out shoot 
targets, whatever. It's just a hobby. We're, we don't we don't buy guns to, you know, have the idea of killing right. somebody. Yeah, you're not being like, can't wait to shoot someone in the head with this. I mean, like, no. I have an AK, and I didn't buy the AK to, you know, think about shooting someone. I bought yeah. the AK because... I want to go shoot targets. I want to go train. You know, yeah. I just want to have fun. Just want to do something with it. Yeah, things and... badass, right? It's like <laughs> I mean, it's fucking cool. They're like, just they're just really fun right. to shoot. Some they're people just... like fast cars. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, like buying a Ferrari. You know, example. Yeah. It's not the most efficient car. No. But people have them because it's, it's their hobby. Cool you know, shit. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's the same that's the same thinking we have in the gun community is we buy these guns because a lot of these guns have history behind them mm-hmm. you know me personally I see guns as pieces of art because a lot yeah. of them have engravings on them yeah and uh, very symbolic too, yeah and in a general. lot of them are handmade yeah. you know hand carved and that's not like mm-hmm. that you know it takes an artist to do something like that yeah. I mean, especially but, like the meaning behind a gun, especially if you're thinking about war, it's like mm-hmm. if you're alone, isolated, and it's you and your gun, right? It's like that gun takes on a sort of like symbolic partner in your in your sense because yes. it, is, it is the tool, it is the other thing, the companion mm-hmm. that's going to help you through this if need be, and in probably the most dire way possible. So there's like a real sort of like higher order relationship yeah. people have with firearms, especially if you were in war or in combat yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like you, you want although it's like of course we don't want that like if if it was possible that that never existed that you never had to have somebody clamoring climb just like grabbing onto life with their gun like yeah that'd be great but that's just what we've had to deal with you know it's like that's just and to appreciate it or or to, to downgrade a gun just because its utility is a violent weapon and to take away all other properties of it it's Mm -hmm. like you know once again, this issue isn't as simple as, like, take it all away. No, it's no, not. It's, it's really not. Yeah, and as long as we have guns, there's going to be problems with it, honestly. And, you know, it, even if you take guns away, mm-hmm. what about the criminals that get them illegally? <laughs> yeah, what about the guy who still buys a Ferrari and runs it into an orphanage? Yeah, because, like, right? like, you know... There's still ways for violence to happen, and it's like... I have friends in law enforcement, mm-hmm. and, you know, they find these illegal guns all the time that, mm-hmm. you know, that are fully automatic yeah assault rifles which by the way assault rifle is not what people think an assault rifle is Mm -hmm. um the capability or the fact that it can shoot automatic or in burst makes it an assault rifle Mm. the the assault rifles we have now is that's the thing is like how are people getting these though like there has to be a manufacturer somewhere it's not some dude just like crafting his own guns and his like garage is part it? of that's true really because what so there's a thing called an auto sear that yeah you can potentially make um when to make a gun automatic it's just one it's it's a piece mm-hmm. and it's called an auto sear once you install that in a gun it makes it automatic mm-hmm. but it, it depends on that gun itself if it has the capability to do that mm-hmm. now the assault rifles that people talk about in media you know all these politicians talk about ar-15s whatever yeah you know people say oh ar stands for assault rifle no it stands for armalite which is the original manufacturer Mm. of the ar-15 and those are not considered assault rifles they're called 
modern sporting rifles. That's mm-hmm. the technical term for them. And they're only supposed to shoot like one shot at yeah, a time, right? Yeah, they're semi-automatic. That's it. Right. So every time you pull the trigger, it goes off. Just one bullet. Yeah. That's it. And um, I mean, like, for example, a... Do you know... Have you ever seen a twenty two bullet before? Uh, yeah. It's just a really yeah, yeah. small right. bullet. An AR-15... Which shoots a five five six or a two two three, the bullet size is the same thing as a two twenty two. Hmm. It's essentially the same size. It's right. really small. Only thing that makes a difference is the casing is much bigger. There's a lot more powder, so it's flying at a lot yeah. hotter speed. Right. And um, but people don't say anything about hunting rifles. Yeah, yeah. Hunting rifle bullet will do a lot more damage right, than right. an AR fifteen yeah. bullet. The only difference is, you know, most hunting rifles are bolt action, so you have to manually, mm-hmm. you know, pull the bolt back, you know, let that shell casing eject, then push another round in forward. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing with bolt actions: what do you think they were using in World War One, World War Two? Yeah, they were yeah. Using bolt action rifles, yeah. and we saw millions and millions of deaths. Yeah. You know, with those guns. Right. But um, there is a lot of inf- misinformation you know with guns and we're gonna see a lot of that with colorado because i believe the shooter i don't know if it's true i read somewhere that the shooter did use uh an ar style i think he used an ar pistol yeah um so that's definitely gonna be in the headlines i just it takes me back there was that um like a congressman that went in front of someone to testify for guns and he was explaining an ar-15 like that obviously had no idea what the fuck he was talking oh, about yeah I and he was like removing this one clip will now allow yes. this gun to shoot 30 bullets a second yeah i think and he was a like, california Dang. representative yeah uh i think he was from sacramento or something like that one just, of the, one just of the embarrassed cities. himself yeah and, like dude how are you a leader in this society and you didn't take 15 minutes to YouTube. <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. You have every bit of resource. You're testifying in front of uh-huh. people and it's videotaped and you're going to, you're comfortable not equipping yourself with the knowledge needed exactly. to argue this. Like yeah. you, who, who are you? Why are you here? Yeah. You should quit. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just educating yourself on stuff. I mean, obviously we don't really see a lot of politicians try to educate themselves. That's a thing, man. It's a, it's the worst part about it all. Is that like education information is used as commodities yeah. to politicize a certain side and to demonize this, that, or the other. And what's even more dangerous is if you're talking to an audience that won't educate themselves either. Yeah. And they take what that politician says as fact. Yeah. That becomes really dangerous. I feel like we can get away from that though, right? Like the fact that the internet's around, everyone has it. It's like, well, now we're running to this trouble of misinformation on the internet yeah. because of your bubbles of whatever this and that and the other. But in general, we all have more information and we can literally fact check anybody at anything. At yeah. Like you used to have to just trust somebody that just knew. Like, yeah. And you know but the thing is it's up to the individual to educate themselves and you know i'm just going to use guns as an example again if if you are against you know ar style rifles msrs stuff like that you know but you don't exactly understand them honestly the best place to educate yourself is through you know youtubers that are part of the gun community you know asking someone from the gun community yeah. to educate you on it because 
you know, they like with that guy that you were just talking about, he made that gun sound like a crazy gun. Yeah. And to someone that doesn't know anything about ARs, that sounds really scary Who to them. Who already leans in the same direction. Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah, what he says. I yeah, mean, what he said. What he, how he, you know, described that AR is impossible. Yeah. There's, an AR will never do that. Yeah. So, you know, maybe going to that community or, you know, that you're opposed to, learning from them will help educate you mm-hmm. i mean and that's the same with every single issue um that that's in the headlines right now i mean you talk about immigration mm-hmm. okay you know you you are for people coming in the united states yeah you know the dreamers and all that stuff but maybe taking the time to understand the opposing view yeah you know like it like it can only strengthen your side because yeah. these are all moral arguments that we're have yeah having right nothing there's no right or wrong answer to most of these things and i promise you 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 talk to someone from the opposition you're mm-hmm. gonna learn something people are afraid i think it goes back to what you're saying about how people are afraid of confrontation yeah. because like you think that you need to arm yourself with information when it's mm-hmm. like it's not arming yourself with information yeah this is just information you need to integrate into yourself to understand the other side and it's like when you are too fragile to like encounter other opinions like like we were saying before when yeah. you're too coddled and sheltered and the first time you encounter somebody different is on a uh, topic of immigration when you're 21 years old in college and all of a sudden you don't know how to act yeah in that situation because you're like this person doesn't like what do you mean you don't agree like what i know is true yeah. and it's like no no it's not it it's yeah like, there's more than enough resources to figure out what is true and what isn't and after you siphon through all the information and come to the realization that we're not talking about facts anymore, mm-hmm. we're talking about morals, then you'll start to actually have productive conversation about yeah. like, and you can get to the bottom of why people value certain things and other things. It's just like spewing out facts is actually the the least productive thing you can do anymore, mm-hmm. right? Because if facts change the world, that you're assuming that the other person doesn't think the way that you do because they are ignorant because they don't have the same information as you and that you now have to bestow bestow that onto them that's not true for anything Mm -hmm. and if you assume that of people then you're gonna see them as lesser than you because they are ignorant because they don't have this information and then at that point you're never going to get to ground zero to like be able to actually talk about these things and figure out why the moral reasoning behind this is different between people yeah. So if you just want to sit there and politicize everything, then you're doing a great job by not asking around. But what does that do for anybody? Mm-hmm. Right. And the thing is, like, when you talk to someone from the opposition, you might end up start seeing a reflection of yourself in them. Yeah. Um, you always will. Yeah. So, you know, going back to the Asian American thing, why not? Okay. So if you see yourself as an ally to Asians, okay so why don't you kind of look at what's the reasoning behind anti-american or anti-asian americanism Mm -hmm. like what's what's why are they saying these things you know what's their Mm -hmm. reasoning for it yeah you don't exactly have to talk to someone no 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 you can just go on forums Mm -hmm. you know just social media posts and just kind of figure out why and um when you look through their reasoning 
you can start to see, you know, okay, let's let's fact check this real quick. Mm -hmm. You know, if they make a claim, okay, let's fact check it. But at the same time, you need to be able, you know, have enough pride to fact check yourself as well. Mm -hmm. You know, don't yeah. just say things. Yeah, okay, you know, not attacking, you know, an Asian American. Okay, yeah, that's that's a moral thing to do. But what about other stuff that you believe in? Um, you know, thinking about what are you doing to stop that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you can go on social media and argue with people that, you know, if you live in Kentucky, you can argue with someone that lives in, yeah. you know, California or whatever. You're never going to see them eye to eye. Yeah. But, you know, like, what are, what are you doing? Essentially? Yeah. And really, it just, it has, it comes down to like your, you can really tell, especially when you're talking to someone face to face, what their intentions are, mm -hmm. right? I think that's that's where social media posting gets loses me because it's like, whenever I see that, I automatically assume the worst of you. It's yeah. because like, words are very informal. Yeah, like words on a screen, it's like informal, and like, it's probably biased for me to assume the worst of you because you probably are a good person. It's like when I talk to you in person, I I probably agree. It's like yeah, you're an ally, whatever. But you use all these words that you try to fluff it up, and yeah. I just don't. It doesn't resonate with me but if i talk to you I, i'll you you can get a strong feeling of who mm -hmm. is like yo like i'm here for you versus who's just like eh whatever yeah and like i don't know very many people that like you know it's like I, who who right now is just like you know asians deserve it mm -hmm. i don't know a single person and right <laughs> like i don't know a single person are like nah fuck them i'm like I, no there's no but there there are few people like that obviously that's mm -hmm. why this stuff is happening yeah and that's that's where it's like there's like actual pure hatred in this world oh yeah hatred that drives people to do horrible things how do you combat that it's like it's mm -hmm. really hard to rationally argue against it because yeah. for example it's like i can argue against the whole sentiment of anti-racism and white fragility and all this stuff because like people write books about it and like there's literature out there that will literally outline their points and i can be like okay i agree with this don't agree with this yada yada you're not finding much white supremacy literature these days <laughs> like mm -hmm. like not explicitly at least yeah. now if you look at it through the anti-racist lens you could say almost all literature is is like racially motivated <laughs> but oh, come on let's yeah. be a little more specific you don't see anyone saying like bring back the kkk the book here's yeah. why we need the kkk like no one it's not like a big camp of people that are like yeah kill asians you yeah. know it's it, it it doesn't exist like that mm -hmm. and then to lump people who you already hold and disdain into that same group it's just like now you're creating enemies yeah now now you actually push this person more into hating asians probably mm -hmm. than than not yeah and you know i don't know how to i don't know how to address these things besides talking to people about like doing this i think it's fun to do this because i always end up coming talking in the circle where it's like ah people are stupid outraged mm -hmm. and all this stuff and then i always come back to wait probably not though yeah. like yeah if i were to survey my day-to-day -day life for the last five years it's like people are on average excellent if you ask yeah. me yeah right like in terms of race relations no one's out here just like you fucking chink like, yeah i've never heard that <laughs> in my life right like and black people probably have a different experience they probably have mm -hmm. way more hate thrown at them for you know especially being in kentucky and all that 
and maybe people have different views and instances of it but like on average i think like we we had this kind of like colorblind orientation to especially we were born what like 94 95 ish it's like we grew up in a more or less colorblind sense in my opinion it's like because i i obviously saw black and brown kids and other asians but like we were in the same classroom Mm -hmm. you know it's like i at some point it was just like yeah what are you talking about you know yeah and i think the whole colorblind thing is definitely an overcompensation what do you mean when someone says that they're colorblind yeah yeah that's bullshit but it's like there's because even martin luther king jr advocated for colorblindness yeah you know in in a specific way yeah right because there's a there is a shallow way of saying it's like oh no i treat everyone the same i'm colorblind it's like uh it's like no you know it's like because you can't you can't be hard extreme one way or another because you have to acknowledge that there are biases you have Mm -hmm. that's 100 percent true that doesn't make you a good nor a bad person because yeah. you have these biases. Well, you also need to acknowledge their culture as well. Yeah. I mean, like, you can say you're colorblind, but that's I think that's bullshit because when you when you say you don't see race, it's like, okay, so you don't acknowledge that I'm this I'm from this culture. Right. right. Like you know, I, I don't think colorblind should be a good term to use. I mean, acknowledge someone for who they are, you know, mm-hmm. if they're like filipino or whatever okay acknowledge you know understand that they're filipino mm-hmm. because if you're colorblind you're going to start acting a certain way you're going to start acting like the norm in your culture yeah but what's normal for your culture might be offensive for that culture right right and in that sense you're just completely ignoring right and being you know, colorblind that. in that sense is like yeah. that's ignorance Right. Yeah. I mean, the only way I'm colorblind, I guess, is, you know, I hate everybody equally. <laughs> right. Like, I don't care. It's just like, I, I'm off the bat, I won't treat you differently than anyone else. No. Yeah. Right. But as soon as you do something shitty, I'm going to be like, you're an asshole. Yeah. Like, I don't. If you're whatever color you are. It's like, yeah. you're, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. If you're not, you're not. But like, you know, yeah, that, that term colorblind has been, has been parroted by the right essentially you know and it's taken this form to mean it's like no racism doesn't exist i'm colorblind it's like that's not the kind of colorblind that i think is productive i think there's a form of colorblindness in regards to Mm -hmm. it's like hey uh you shouldn't assume all these things about somebody because of their race yeah initially upon meeting them but you should also acknowledge that these are all factors that people of this demographic struggle with or encounter in their life and like you should just you should just know that but Mm -hmm. like you know, knowing that is different from like acting on it all the time. It's like you can know that and just not treat anyone differently until a certain instance comes yeah. about. It's like, oh, now this person's being harassed because they're Asian. That's not fucking cool. Yeah. Right. It's like we all get it. They're Asian. Mm-hmm. That's no reason to belittle them. So then you step in and like do something about it. But yeah, yeah and I think I'll, I think people are more sensible and rational about these things than internet would suggest. Yeah. And I think that's, especially in our generation, we have a lot of people that are very, I don't know, not, not colorblind in a sense, but like we grew up in a, in a sort of integrated way mm-hmm. that was like made race relations kind of easier. Whereas yeah. maybe people in our parents' generation, I mean like, you know, people in our grandparents' generation, like our black friends, their grandparents were segregated in school. Mm-hmm. So it's like they, they have a widely different perspective on all this. Yeah. You know, 
and as generations get more and more integrated you just hope that this racism thing gets toned down more and more but yeah i mean i believe that racism is always going to be there 100 percent. it's going to be there in, in some way some sort of hatred so have, have you kept up with that attack on titan you gotta do it no i started season two and i'm just like uh dude get do it oh i, I just watched i just caught up today I, i'm still shook from an episode like mm-hmm. this last season that's out right now um there's been a few episodes where like my jaw's just been on the floor like i've never seen anything like this in anime mm-hmm. it's so heavy it's so heavily symbolic and like touches on these issues of today's society kind of it's mm-hmm. weird I won't spoil it for you because like it is season two to four. It's way different. It's way oh, there's four seasons right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's and it's like you would have never seen this coming. Please, yeah. for the love of God, that is one that is like so worth watching because you can extrapolate a lot of interesting values, mm-hmm. and then ultimately it's like you know I, there's always like an anime, especially in like battle animes like Naruto, One Piece. Um, take Naruto for example like the main antagonist towards the end of the end of the series has this ideology that is completely nihilistic that like suffering continues because consciousness is here if I can put the whole entire world under a collective mirage then suffering will cease to exist and so will the world and that is the solution. It's this really nihilistic observation mm-hmm. that, like, the, the chance for humanity shouldn't even exist because we only bring about suffering. And it's, like, that kind of philosophy is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, it's just, like, well, it's, like, life is suffering. How do you fix it? Kill everyone. No more suffering. It's, like, no, that, like, misses the point of how great life has the potential to be. Yeah. Right? Because, like, as equally as it is all about suffering, like the opposite is also true yeah you know there are heights of life that are uh, unimaginably high and positive that you have no words or ways to communicate what they are and same goes for when shit goes south like both things exist carl jung said in order for a tree to grow to the heavens its roots must must penetrate the deepest depths of hell and it's like that's fucking true Mm -hmm. or you could take if you completely take yourself out of the narrative and say no, the tree shouldn't exist. Now now you're like down a dangerous but rational ideology. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you're right. Living consciousness exists, therefore suffering exists. Therefore getting rid of consciousness eliminates all suffering, which is good. It's like if you want to go A, like the transitive property, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, then yeah, but like that misses the whole point of humanity in general. Mm-hmm. you know so i don't know i don't know why we went on that tangent or i went on that <laughs> tangent about anime i've just been watching a lot and just like extrapolating a lot of these like interesting kind of psychoanalytic views of mm-hmm. the world and how they're mapped onto anime and like the storytelling is is incredible when that's the uh the battle is like because you see the justification in the evil you're like oh this is why they're doing it they have like a real motive and you low-key are like oh i get it like i kind of get why you're saying that but then you have naruto who's like no you don't do that it's like i have friends i have family i have people that i love that are in this world and you're not going to take that away from me because that 
connection to other people is greater than the the suffering of the world mm -hmm. and that's that's ultimately the belief that i think we should hold is that like you know even with all the bad shit that's going on it's easy to get caught in that in the spiral that way just be like everything's bad yeah. but it's like the opposite is equally true most of the time it's mm -hmm. like things are usually also really good in many ways yeah um yeah i don't watch anime as much as i used to yeah um i just don't have as much time but no i i get what you're saying through like uh just looking at history um i mean world war ii is a really good era to look at when you're thinking about good and evil yeah um because same thing with that antagonist in naruto you know the beliefs aren't exactly the same when you look at the axis powers mm -hmm. but when you think about you know what japan did what germany did you know there are people in those regimes that legitimately thought what they were doing was good yeah but obviously inherently what they were doing was evil yeah i mean committing genocide right you know stuff like that just because someone is who they are is evil but the way they justify it you know to them that's that's what humanity needed yeah um somebody now, said like there's no more dangerous man than a man that thinks he's right yeah and you know that's hitler is a perfect example of that when you look at his book mein kampf you know he while he's in prison he he writes the book and you know he he writes out his beliefs and you know placing blame you know same thing going back placing blame on something mm -hmm. you know placing the blame on the defeat of germany in world war one you know talking about the corruption of the weimar republic mm -hmm. you know and placing that blame on jews and other people he considered you know political enemies and stuff like that and the same thing with japan um you know seeing chinese people korean people as second-class citizens yeah but ultimately what japan wanted to do was you know create a co-prosperity sphere in mm -hmm. asia with the intent of kicking out western powers mm -hmm. you know wanting to make asia strictly yeah under the control of asia yeah with japan being at the very top mm -hmm. and you know there are some people you know within that cabinet that thought that what they were doing was good but you know the way they did it was evil you know yeah. having live or you know with unit 731 having man you know experiments and stuff like that those are rough yeah. it's like a really it's an interesting rabbit hole to go down it is but it'll make you second guess humanity oh my god like some yes. of the shit that they it's like unthinkable like there's there's some real creative minds when you are driven to that sort of insanity and yeah and a lot of those a lot of the people that took part in that became very prominent doctors in japan yeah after the war with the help of americans yeah and you know just that, like nazi doctors too yeah a and, lot of our medicine comes from nazis they were very yeah. smart and that that's where the whole idea of good and evil gets skewed with that era mm -hmm. because the allies yeah they saw themselves as the force of good yeah 
but a lot of questionable acts were committed by them, mm-hmm. you know, letting off some, you know, war criminals off just because they wanted information. Yeah. You know, the That's... reason why NASA is so successful is because yeah. they had Nazi scientists. That's the thing is like, because it when you here's that's the interesting part about studying history it's like you need we need to know this stuff in mm-hmm. order to you know learn from it and yeah. then go forward but also it can become a source of justification for doing wrong thing or mm-hmm. doing quote-unquote righteous things yeah. now it's because you look back in history it's like oh we were wronged here we were wronged here mm-hmm. this that these people did this to us this is how they view us we need to you know fight back and do this and that and the other it's like you know, and it's very easy to feel that way, especially when the transgressions are so deep. Like, I mean, people in China and Taiwan still talk about, you know, the atrocities of yeah. war mm-hmm. and what Japanese people did to them. And, like, it's important to know. It's also important to, like, you know, that to recognize that's in the past, too. It's yeah. like, because you can take all that information and build resentment and build this weird philosophy that you have to now correct the 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 i guess like the reciprocity you have Mm -hmm. to like reciprocate whatever was done before you and it's like and like you're totally justified in doing it too yeah it's like of course it's like yeah if your whole if you live in syria your whole family was killed by american bombs like i i don't think it's wrong that you think you should go and kill every american you see you know it's Mm -hmm. like i who's gonna tell you other how, how could i tell you that you shouldn't feel that way yeah you know but like that also doesn't go anywhere like that yeah. that form of resentment that being like they wronged me my turn mm-hmm. it's like it's just tit for tat never works out and it's so hard to just you know tell people to just be like you have to like forgive and forget you know yeah. it's like you have to take those things and you have to realize they what happened to you and you have to process it but you have to like you know take it in with a grain of salt and like if you want anything to change it's like you got to break free of that cycle and that's just it's like the most unfair thing to say ever yeah when something really horrible has happened to you and someone just has to be like yo you got to forgive the people that did that to you it's like how could you even think about doing that mm-hmm. right like how could you even say that that's so disingenuous it seems like into and like considering the person's feelings at the time but you know it's like it doesn't help to be resentful either yeah, and uh, you can relate that to, you know, us being in Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. I mean, me personally, yeah. I When we talk about Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, mm-hmm. whatever, I hate them. Me, yeah. You know, I don't like them. But, you know, when we talk about Taliban specifically, you know, we actually supported them yeah. in the Afghan-Soviet war. We provided them with weapons to fight the Soviets yeah. when the Soviets invaded. Um, you know, ultimately they were trying to defend their land against the Soviets because Soviets want to turn Afghanistan into another Soviet state. Mm-hmm. So we provided them with the means necessary to defend their country. Um, and you know, it's kind of the similar um, idea with us going to Afghanistan. Um, 9-11 really kicked off everything, you know, in terms yeah. of that. And, um, but with that, you know, they have motives of doing that, mm-hmm. of committing 9-11 that they thought was right. Yeah. You know, the way they see it is 
they were defending their country. Yeah. You know, even though they're not a conventional military force, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're guerrilla group, you know, they're a, you know, a cell, you know, they're only considered terrorists until we, you know, the United States and the Western world considers them a terrorist yeah. group. Right. Um and it, it's kind of hard to really call a group a terrorist group because when we went to Iraq um it's like saying they have an accent right it's like <laughs> right it's like um well everyone has an accent when you think about it yeah there is no neutral point to say mm-hmm. oh that's an accent this is the correct way to speak right it's like you realize mm-hmm. at some point everyone has an accent yeah and then yeah it's like it, you can't really where was I going with that? I was about, about to tie that back. But, um, yeah, I lost it. Fuck. Well, with, with terrorism, you know. Oh, yeah, being a terrorist. Yeah, it's like, like. Yeah, like those are terrorists to us. We're terrorists to them. Yeah. Right? It's like it's exactly. the same thing, right? There's no neutral party where they're, they are not. I guess if you're a very neutral country that's not involved in anything, you could kind of be like that. But there's no true blank neutral to be like that's a terrorist that's not a terrorist yeah um because with terrorism i mean it's defined as having like a political motive yeah um and i mean there's definitely a lot of political motive in you know what they were doing over there and but you know that same logic is used against us as well when we look at the revolutionary war um Mm. now we did try to you know go through the negotiation route um sending representatives to represent us Mm -hmm. but those put in power to represent us weren't really yeah doing that well or they just really weren't listening to our demands yeah um you know with the increase of taxes in the colonies and you know to an extent those taxes are justified because the british did send their army to defend us from Mm -hmm. the french yeah yeah um, and they had, that was a very costly war. That mm. Seven Years' War, I would argue, is the very first, one of the first world wars we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very expensive war, so they needed to tax us in order yeah. so that we can help pay for it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, having, you know, we, cre- we did end up creating our own conventional uh, force, but we also had, you know, you know what we would call you know, like minutemen you know farmers that are always ready to go at any moment's notice mm-hmm. you know to the british you know we were terrorists yeah because right. we're, we weren't they didn't recognize us as a country um they didn't recognize us as a conventional military force so to mm-hmm. them we are we were the terrorists yeah um and that's that's kind of how you know certain terror cells in the middle east would view us i mean the same way that we viewed the british yeah you know they're we were going to their land Mm -hmm. you know trying to change what they were trying to do now i will say but also help them justly you know what they were doing wasn't really the most yeah yeah wasn't the best thing yeah you know using car bombs to blow up you know gatherings of civilians that's Mm-hmm. who the hell does that you yeah, know that's yeah. that's fucked so up fucking insane i mean so there are some moral causes on our side for it but the way we have to think about it is that they're simply just trying to 
get us out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are some terror groups that want to attack us directly. Mm-hmm. And that's where, I mean, I believe is justified for us to get involved. Once they mess with us at our, you know, in our country, then we need to go on the offense. Yeah. But, um, but then again, you know, my, my view on that might be a little bit different just because, you know, being in the military, we, you know, are trained to think that, you know, this is the enemy and, you know, this is mm. what they're doing. And a lot of it I do, I honestly agree with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, if these guys want to come over here and, you know, kill innocent people, mm-hmm. I'm willing to go over there and kill them over there. You Especially know? it's like when it's taken into con, uh, with just within the context of like now. Yeah. Right? Because it's like they're doing this and we're doing this. It's like mm-hmm. they are trying to actively murder us. It's like, yeah. But then when you dig deeper into it's like why are they doing that it's like oh it's because we did this it's like why'd you do that oh it's because they did yeah. that right and then you like get to this back and forth you realize like oh this is just this is part of just like the back and forth it gets really complicated yeah and a lot of a lot of guerrilla groups that we did support at one point we end up fighting them yeah later on down the yeah. road um so we do we definitely have some fault in that because uh i think it was uh saddam hussein um we helped put in power mm-hmm. um and then osama bin laden we helped support him yeah um when they're the mujahideen you know fighting against the soviets and the thing is those guys are not stupid uh, right osama bin laden's a very smart guy mm-hmm. um but luckily for his son you know his son didn't want to follow in the footsteps and from what i understand his son's a decently successful artist now hmm. wow. um that's a that's a turnaround yeah yeah really big turnaround right there i, I think he, he's either an artist or a photographer i can't remember which one but yeah. i mean he he didn't want any part of that right so like thank god yeah really Just, mean, yeah let's not have another evil genius out there no and but you know there's always going to be some it's just a vicious cycle though you know yeah. it's like is it, it, it is there a way to break the cycle yeah i don't know well, I, I, unless you get down to the ideology of like burn it all down yeah. right then that's the true way of eliminating all of this conflict it's mm-hmm. like all right eliminate the source of it the people yeah people in general and one thing i am concerned with uh pertaining to uh asian americans living here is uh i think it was last week one of the top chinese commanders made a public statement and this is the first time this statement was ever made hmm. um but he stated that uh chinese declaration of war against the united states is inevitable hmm. um which i'm really surprised it hasn't really hit hmm. mainstream media it's hit yeah. uh so with within the military community there are you know we have media outlets um hmm military times army times stuff like that Hmm. that information did get to that those outlets yeah um because me personally i believe that eventually we'll go to war with china yeah but looking back at history if we were to go to war with china what does that mean for chinese americans living here oh yeah um we've seen what happened in world war ii so yeah. does that mean there's going to be a repeat of what happened there? 
Yeah, you know, because we don't have know. that added layer of racial relations to worry about within our country. Yeah, and there, China does not have that. No, in no. like Chinese Americans, like, you we, know, we're some... Chinese over here. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> we're not arguing about. No, Mm-mm. and like it's like we can say the N word over here. We're all Chinese, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's like they, there's no sort of infighting between groups no. unless it's like about class. You know, yeah. that's probably one, but. In terms of cohesion, like they, they are probably very much more cohesive, and they ha- they've their military has definitely been advancing a lot more, mm-hmm. a lot at a very fast pace compared to us. Um, and that statement was so impactful to the point where some of the top uh, generals in the United States military are wanting to ramp up some of our units. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a concerning statement, but what I'm thinking is, you know, how how would just, you know, the American people react to that? Yeah, I uh, think it's either, like you said, we might have a repeat of what happened in World War II. Hopefully not. Hopefully not, <laughs> right. You know, there's something to be said about America, though, because, like, people cite America as the most racist country in the world. I'm like, that's the most false thing i've ever heard to be honest like yeah our racism is apparent and it's visible yeah but it's like if you think america's the most racist place in the world it's like i don't think you you probably haven't traveled much because racism is so palpable pretty much anywhere you go Mm -hmm. i mean you go to france french people hate americans they'll just straight up like just like look at you like shit um it's not like we rescued you or anything like that (laughs) yeah yeah it's like you know and but i think a tremendous strength in american idealism and culture is that we are able to integrate with other people like as much as there's problems here overwhelmingly day to day we are interacting with somebody of a different race Mm -hmm. all the time yeah all the time and we have this amazing ability to connect with each other on a on a level that is beyond superficial identity Mm -hmm. because like yeah you can say that it's like oh racism exists yada yada to me, I think that we are more cohesive as a country because we are more accepting of each other in general and just being like, look, you are you, I am me. Mm-hmm. But like, we're like neighbors, you know, it's like yeah. we, are, we are in proximity with each other. We are in this together mm-hmm. in a sense. And I think so long as the racial tension doesn't break down to a certain point, like I think we have a, an incredible way of being cohesive and coming together that is more powerful than like a mono-ethnic culture doing the mm-hmm. same being united around uh we are this we are all this it's undeniable versus on america it's like we have our differences it's like we have all these things but we've worked through these yeah. way more than any place anywhere ever mm-hmm. and we have worked through these tensions like you have you might think of this person as worse than that person but it's like now you are all allies like yeah now there is an actual enemy and i feel like if there's like an enemy that all americans decide that like that's the enemy yeah i think the amount of cohesion we would see in this country would be off the charts mm-hmm. to be honest i think people's american identity supersedes a lot of you know it's like i'm indian american or chinese american yeah. or whatever it's like it's like i think a lot of people just want to be called american mm-hmm. at some level i think that's like a like you never hear people say European American, mm-hmm. right? So you get to be just kind of, if you're white, you're just American, yeah, right. And I think there's part of, you know, minority people of color that's like, 
we're American, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I'm born here. It's like, yeah, I'm a different color. I can speak this language, whatever. I was yeah. born here. I'm raised here. I'm American. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having to have worked through all that, I think, makes us stronger. Though it seems that we have a lot of problems and conflict <laughs> between each yeah. other. And yeah. it's very apparent because we do. It's like, I mean, no other country has done that, though. No other country yeah. has like been like, hey, everybody get along like no 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 you go to australia they fucking hate aborigines mm-hmm. right like you go anywhere you go to china they hate muslims yeah right yeah <laughs> like, well do you do you see that uh they uh we finally uh accuse china of a uh, genocide really against yeah. their uh, muslim population yeah yeah because they were doing some but like like that would never happen mm-hmm. here right you would never see a genocide of a population here they'd be an uproar and that, oh yeah and it's inherently un-american to do so mm-hmm. too to be like we're killing you all off because you're this it's like yeah. that is goes against our american ideals something that a place like china obviously doesn't have mm-hmm. they don't see everyone as equal they don't see everyone as like being a part of this cohesive unit they're like we're chinese you're muslim we don't like you yeah we don't we have no problem killing all of you mm-hmm. and our people don't either yeah it's like there'd be a huge problem here i think like there's there's got to be some power in that you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like it's it can't just be all superficial mumbo jumbo there's got to be something really really deep and like hard like bedrock truth be- behind what an american ideal is it's really hard to see what that is right now with all the problems we have but when it comes down to it i think we would be able to come together as a country yeah. more powerfully than another monoethnic country would yeah, and I think that whole idea of coming together is still a relatively new, uh, recent phenomenon. Hundred percent. I mean, in our uh, history, now granted, the United States is still it's a pretty young country compared yeah. to everywhere else, but I mean the fact that we're able to come together, you know, a bunch of different groups coming together. I mean. When you look at Vietnam, you know, prior to Vietnam, military segregated, uh, I think, I can't remember if it was Truman or the president after that, that finally desegregated the military. But, you know, if you compare World War II to Vietnam, you have all black units, you have the 442nd, you know, infantry regiment that were all Japanese Americans, Mm. you know, and they're just by themselves. And they had to prove how American they were, yeah. even though they're out there fighting Live the same enemy. Putting their life on the line. But when it. you look at Vietnam, you have, you know, white soldiers, black soldiers, you know, fighting together. Mm-hmm. You know, they have that bond, you know, and but when you look at, you know, you know the home front, you know, you have the civil rights movement, you know all this stuff but that's that's the that's the real funny thing about combat and life-threatening situations mm-hmm. is you can be the most racist person in the world but when you're in that situation and you know you don't like black people but yet that guy next to you in the foxhole is a black guy he becomes your best friend yeah and that like you're going to save yeah, him if like he's in trouble that bond is created right. yeah and at that point you know it becomes where even though you don't 
like black people, you would almost do anything to save that guy, and yeah. that guy would do almost anything to save you. Yeah. Um, so that's one that's one good thing about the military is okay. There's still racism in the military, but mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, that person right next to you is. Mm-hmm you know, would do anything for you. Yeah. And you would almost do anything for them. And you, you, you don't always feel like that would be the same if it was like like a Chinese guy in the Russian army. Yeah. It's like you're like, would you really save this Chinese guy if he was in mm-hmm. trouble? It's like, or would you just be like, mm. Yeah. It, right? but, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know that that would happen in mm-hmm. many countries besides America. Yeah, and that, you know, but that's where it gets tough on the home front because bonds like that don't get created um yeah it it's hard it it can be difficult to create a bond like that you know being able to stand up against you know the status quo you know for something that you believe is right Mm -hmm. because you know your family could believe a certain thing like for example um if you have friends that you know, are in a part of the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. but your family doesn't support them. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to turn against your family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, you can have conversations with them. Um, hopefully that works, but you know, like it's, it's just difficult to do that. And yeah. especially if you have friends, you know, it, mm-hmm. even if even with your best friend, it can be difficult to have awkward conversations like that yeah. because, you know, you have a certain friendship with that person and in the back of your mind, you don't want to lose that friendship. Yeah. But you also realize maybe their belief isn't really healthy to have yeah. around you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, you know, there are people that I stopped talking to just because, you know, I believed what they thought was immoral. Yeah. Um, Because I I believe everybody has the right to do, you know, to have the same rights. You know, when the LGBTQ community first got their rights to, you know, be married, which I think that's crazy that they had to, you know, get that, you know, Obama had to make that a law. Like, that's insane. Growing up, it was like, I was aware of gay people. Yeah. And I was not aware of the fact they weren't allowed to get married. Yeah. Right? That was was insane to me. You can't get married to anybody you want. Yeah, it's it's an insane concept. Yeah. It's it's really interesting because as soon as that happened, it was like, no one cared anymore. It was like, all right, all right, you win. And and everyone's just like, yeah, gay people get married now. And it's like, but before that, it was yeah. like the heat of the moment, just like the big talking point, gay marriage. But then after it happens, like society adjusts yeah. pretty quickly, too. Because like, at the end of the day, they realize like, oh, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, like before they got the right to marry, you know, like we thought that it was crazy that white and black people couldn't get married. Yeah. But, For real. But while we thought that, there was already another group you know that couldn't get married yeah so but i mean like i'm a, i'm a strong supporter of that community you know i've had a lot of co-workers that are part of the community 
and you know i would do anything for them yeah it's um, just hard to imagine hating them for whatever reason they yeah. are unless you, you know, like it, it really takes a lot of a i guess you have to like have that sort of like moral disgust at the act mm-hmm. of being gay or whatever it's always always so paradoxical right it's like always the dudes that are like uh gay guys but always want to watch like lesbian porn or something so yeah like, where, where do you value do you have values or are you just weirded out by by men having sex with mm-hmm. each other and is it, is it because you know <laughs> you know how like there'd be those people that would go to uk's campus and just yell at kids about read the bible yeah. you oh whores, yeah right? i remember that i remember asking one guy like if they if homosexuality was a choice Mm-hmm. he told me yes and i was like okay I, I i can't argue with you at this point like because it's just like it's not first of all yeah but then like years later i kept on thinking about it. i was like you know people that really advocate against homosexuality and then confer that it's a sin or like a a, a choice mm-hmm. sin that you make it's like are they able to make that choice is mm-hmm. that why they're scared because like i can't make that choice right i i can't choose to be gay yeah like i just can't i just can't <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry like yeah i could even kiss a guy and i would just like no mm-hmm. like no it just doesn't do like there's nothing mm-hmm. nothing that from me that says that i that, and i'll try to i'll give it every shot in the world <laughs> i'll make out with 10 dudes every night i promise you i'll never turn mm-hmm. gay but it's like when you think it's a choice is it because it like actually is for you like mm-hmm. maybe it is a choice for you maybe you do have that tendency yeah. to be gay and maybe that's why you're so vehemently against it is because you yeah. feel like that evil exists in everyone when it's just like no nah, dude like you might be gay like they overcompensate yeah. for insecurity. <laughs> right? exactly it's like yeah. oh i've had those thoughts and the devil has tempted me i was like i have never had those thoughts the <laughs> devil's are you gay bro like it's okay yeah. like, right it's yeah just, it, it gets so weird to me because i'm like I don't see how you're so vehemently against this man. So he has nothing to do with you unless it does have something to do with you. Yeah. Mm, in that case, oh, this gets way more interesting because it's mm-hmm. like now it's like you're actually screaming at yourself kind of Yeah. at this point. And then it, like I had that thought and I like opened up my world of empathy a lot more. I was like, oh, like what if that's the case? Like what if, and I mean, I, it's probably not, mm-hmm. not in every case, but you see plenty of, christian catholic people diddling little boys and stuff yeah. it's like you you guys are you guys <laughs> sure you aren't gay like is the catholic church gay yeah you guys do some pretty gay shit over there like let's be real it's <laughs> like come on now it's like, you can admit it mm-hmm. people are accepting now but it's like you don't want to admit it yourself and now you're transgressing on other people that's where people don't like you about yeah it's like because we see your leaders get caught with all this shit mm-hmm. and then now you're turning around and yelling at other people it's like yell at your own people yeah i mean like the way i see it you know we're automatically attracted to women yeah, that's the thing man yeah. i i have tried like i would love to be bisexual are you kidding me <laughs> if i had that choice i would make that choice every day of my life you would open up the whole world of partners mm-hmm. and i would love to i just i can't dudes are fucking gross men are gross i oh, there's, yeah. there's nothing about men that i'm like even attractive men like i'll see an attractive guy but that guy's hot yeah i i would know i would i could not get an erection if i saw that man naked mm-hmm. like it just wouldn't happen some yeah. people have to fight the devil when that you know they see an attractive man yeah they have to beat down their erection 
But, you know, it's just like, you know, when we automatically see a woman, we find her attractive. You know, that's probably the case with a lot of homosexual men is, you know, naturally they see a man and they automatically find him attractive, sexually attractive, emotionally, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely don't think it's a choice. That's what baffles me, man. If you really think it's a choice, I think it's because it is a choice for you. And you're actively choosing not to be gay every day. And it's like, that's a lot of... It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. For some people, it could be a choice. Maybe I mean, yeah, for like there's... a minority, it may have been a choice. But, you know, it, it yeah. it's hard for me to say because... Yeah. Like, I, I don't yeah. have that frame yeah. of reference at I, all. I, I, just, I just don't know. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, and that's the same thing with the LGBTQ community is people try to, you know, people that are heterosexual might try to overcompensate, you know, mm. as them being an ally you know and i think the best thing for us to do is just see them as a human that deserves all the rights yeah that you know people deserve it's it's really like like an active just indifference right yeah it's like like who gives a fuck if someone's gay right like yeah i yeah it's like it to me it's almost not even an issue because i'm like it has nothing to do with me so why do I have to infringe upon anybody? Yeah, it's like going up to, you know, if someone introduces themselves and, you know, like a guy says, oh, this is my boyfriend. And then you say, oh, my God, I have I have gay friends, too. Like, what? Like, <laughs> right? it's the same thing. Like, if someone comes yeah. up to us, it's like, oh, my God, my, you know, my neighbor's Asian. It's like, okay, well, I don't care that your <laughs> right? neighbor's Asian. It's like, like, what? Great, dude. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Like, I don't you know, care. I think, and you know, when it comes down to, is it's only white people that do this. In my experience, I've never had yeah. a black person be like, "Oh, I have Asian friends." It's like, no, it's like, I've never had anyone try to empathize with my race, other than white people. Another thing I'll get is, you know, if people find out I'm Japanese, they would say like, "Oh my God, I love anime." Right. Yeah. Great. Great. Like you love anime. Right. That's i mean what do i do with that information yeah like right it's just like there there's there's way more interesting things to say after it's like i'm japanese it's like next question whatever you say next Mm -hmm. is like it's gonna say a lot about who you are yeah if all of a sudden you're like oh i have i have asian friends you're like what the fuck versus if you were like oh have you been there yeah and then so you start a conversation about being japanese yeah it's like there's like a way to be interesting and just like stop thinking about yourself yeah. you know it's like quit being in your head like be a fucking person just act yeah. like it's like it's like you meet someone from ireland and you're like oh i love getting drunk it, like, what pisses like, me off the most <laughs> is like like actually verifying their stereotype so like if someone finds out i'm japanese they're like oh my god do you love anime it's like yes like, <laughs> right. yeah it's i like, do yeah. fuck i mean it's like i you... just verified your stereotype right. they're like you're happy now <laughs> right yeah i love anime i guess but... <laughs> yeah if there's anybody listening to this that's like feeling a lot of white guilt these days you know feeling a lot of just fragility and you want to know what to do when you're encountered by a person of color or a minority or an asian in particular right now because we're talking about asians um just talk to them like they're a human 
ask them questions as if they were a human and not an Asian. Yeah. And then trust me, eventually, if you are dexterous enough with your speech, you will get to a point where you ha- where your questions will be answered yeah. organically, right? I mean, well, first of all, get rid of that white guilt. That's that's stupid. Like, yeah, no, let, you let go shouldn't of have guilt. Like, yeah. I mean, but if if like, you are insistent on having that guilt, just imagine if we were white and just yeah. talk to us, <laughs> right? But it's just. <laughs> And even then, it's just like, why do you have to do that? It's yeah. like, don't you didn't do anything wrong? Don't I mean the whole thing? Unless with, you did do something wrong, unless you like slap my mom across the face, and all of a sudden you're like extra nice to me now. It's like if you slap my mom, we'll kill you. All right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they all fucking murder you. It doesn't even have to be about being Asian. It's like yeah. anybody if you do that. Yeah. But like, why do you have to compensate for your? Why do you have to upfront compensate for stuff? Yeah. You can have these feelings inside of you and like you can't de- you can't help the feelings that you have. Right? Sometimes I like, imagine a white person that's seeing all this stuff happen, they just built this internal sense of guilt for really no other no no reason besides that's what they were exposed to, yeah. right? In some ways they can't help that. Mm-hmm. And you can foster that, but you can also you know, like put that in a certain compartment in yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, strategically build around that mm-hmm. and not just pour out all your guilt onto minority people like i promise you no person of color minority wants to hear you pour out oh i'm just so sorry for your community and oh i just wish i could do something it's like i'm always here for you. no one wants to hear that yeah i promise you like i don't know a single and if there's people that want you to like repent for your skin color like avoid them because they're not yeah. good people in general yeah and the whole thing with white guilt i mean like if if you're you know i mean like an adult like early adult third 20s 30s whatever what fucking guilt do you have like <laughs> right were you there when what they locked you done? Yeah, like <laughs> right. were you there were you a gate guard when yeah. they locked up the japanese in internment camps no the fuck you weren't right like, exactly what fucking guilt do you have That's unless you saying. actually did something yeah but <laughs> sometimes people are so guilty like dude what did you do yeah like <laughs> why are you so guilty right now are you strangling asian babies at the hospital like, <laughs> are you just gonna shh, 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 like <laughs> just like i'm, I'm and, taking your suffering away what are you doing to be so guilty about all this dude? and that you know it's weird and then that guilt plays into that overcompensation yeah you, know, you feel like you know you're an ally because you feel guilty like no the fuck you don't uh first of all it's like if that's why you feel like you're an ally then stop yeah then you're not you just an get ally. away from yeah, me at that it's point. like, like it's, i don't if, want because that. if you think that your negative emotions mm-hmm. make me feel better it's not it doesn't it makes me feel like shit actually yeah the fact that you have to feel like shit when you're around me makes me feel like shit because it's mm-hmm. like why do you why are you doing that yeah Just and please the stop only thing you can really do i mean if you feel like you have guilt because of you know what your ancestors did or something the best thing you can do is understand what happened and remember what happened because the worst thing that's going to happen is if we forget what happened in history, yeah. like, you know, if for some reason, you know, Germany was to completely overlook the Holocaust. Right. Like, can you it's imagine what could happen? Yeah. Like, but, you know, fortunately, Germany doesn't do that. They embrace it 100%. Yeah. They take, you know, one of the things they do is they take their students to field trips to Auschwitz, yeah. you know, other concentration camps so that those students never forget what happened. Yeah. So if... 
you know, if it's like you, sh you should know these yeah. things about, but you it shouldn't be the forefront of your personality. No, no, is the thing. No, just just treat everybody just the same. Like, yeah, you don't what? Shut up with the guilt. Like, right, get right. rid of that fucking guilt. That's what. That's what I'm saying. That's stupid. I think it's a good place to end it right there. We talk yep. about white guilt. We give people a good summary <laughs> of like what to do. I think a lot of people are looking for you know some sort of conversation some sort of yeah. something they can tangibly lock on to and just be like what can i do it's like well yeah. educate yourself please mm -hmm. but like don't like don't go out of pocket right yeah. like stay in your pocket right like just don't try not to reach too much because like yeah. when you start reaching then you just look disingenuine you seem very mm -hmm. one more thing i want to say about so i guess more specifically towards Asian Americans, I mean, or just anybody in general, this, this concept goes to anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, have situational awareness wherever you go. Yeah. So a right. lot, you know, read being, the air. Yeah. Cookie like being on your phone when you're walking down the street or something. Um, like for example, when we went to that club in Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to go to that club. Uh, mm, I, yeah. I wasn't all for it. But, oh, I had a great time. But the thing is, it's like, Every building that I go to or anywhere I go where I think is going to be crowded, mm -hmm. the very first thing I do when I go in there in that building is I always spot the exits. You know, mm -hmm. what's what's the least or path of least resistance getting to an exit? You know, if something was to happen, mm -hmm. where am I going to go? Um, I even go I even look all the way to, you know, the furniture in the area or just any type of. I don't know, some kind of cover or anything. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, or, you know, walking on the street. Don't walk down the street on your phone, you know, every now and then look back. Yeah. Because that's what a lot of these, you know, attacks against Asian Americans happen is they happen from behind. Mm. People aren't really looking mm -hmm. at what's around them. And that's that's the best thing that you can do to save yourself is, you know, Pay attention to what's going on around you. If you notice that someone's following you, okay, well, take take a diff like take a turn. Yeah. See if yeah. they follow you. Take right. a few turns, um, and you know just try to figure out what's happening around mm -hmm. you because you know people aren't paying attention to a lot of things anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, something as simple as that yeah. can help you, and it's you know anyone can use this. Yeah. So, if that's something, you know, people start doing... Just be prepared to protect yourself. Yeah. Like we were saying earlier with guns, it's like, you can equip yourself with ways to defend yourself. Yeah. That doesn't make you a bad person because you know how to use certain things. And even right? if, you know, you don't have to, even if you don't carry a gun, you know, if you notice that someone's following you or, you know, something might happen, you know, maybe take that as an opportunity to let other people around you know or... Mm -hmm. If you're certain that you know someone's following you call the police yeah you know i mean there's there's things people can do to protect themselves yeah i mean especially now when so. it comes to asians too it's like personally i don't feel this kind of apprehension towards the world mm -hmm. because of all this stuff that's going on because i don't i don't think this asian hate thing is as deeply or is as widespread as media would like yeah let you mm -hmm. otherwise suggest i mean obviously it happens especially in big metropolitan areas and whatnot but lexington like no uh, no i'm not gonna see it and so obviously like we can kind of be removed from that but regardless like 
I mean, you should just be in that kind of, you should be wary of your own self presence and like, yeah, like mm-hmm. know if you need to defend yourself. It's like, yeah. It's, and yeah, and and that that just goes for anybody. And I, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, it's just just care, just take care right. of yourself. Essentially, exactly, I mean, take care of yourself. Don't be racist. Don't be over the top about all any of this stuff. Just don't just, call yourself an ally. Just show your show yeah. us yeah yeah just that's what that's all we want right yeah it's really hard to articulate what exactly we as like people of color or asians want or black people or mexicans whatever it is yeah but we can tell you what we don't want and that's fake activism yeah right exactly that, that, that's that kind of shit is just like yeah it's like it's like it's like white people perpetuating the same problem over and over again mm-hmm. and, and you're just casting it off as something you can be like oh look at me symbolic gesture yeah donated to group i'm done yeah no so um be a good person yada 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 but yeah thanks for coming zach yeah i appreciate you i'm glad because you're the only other like half japanese person i know that i've kept in contact with yeah. consistently there's like a few i know but like and i think our our situations growing up just contextually we probably share a lot of the same you know worldviews in certain ways Mm -hmm. and it's cool especially during what what's happening right now to kind of explore that within Mm -hmm. the context of today yep and um yeah i knew we would come down to some of these conclusions that we did because it's like you know yeah shit happens i'm sorry Mm -hmm. but like it's no excuse to be shitty (laughs) in 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 ways whether you realize it or not yeah so yeah just have some more self-awareness We'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Yep. Appreciate you. We'll mm-hmm. see you next time. See ya.